This is the week. When we publish this podcast, I'll be in the midst of a trial that could change my life forever. It could take me away from the people I love most. It could force me to live in a cage and experience what it's like to an animal who's confined. And, you know, we've talked a lot about Smithfield and Circle 4 and ag-gag laws and, and the like. So I thought we'd end this podcast, or at least possibly end this podcast, with a conversation that's more personal in nature. And who better to have that personal conversation than with than one of the people I love more than anyone in the world, uh, my best friend, Priya Sahani. Priya is a co-founder of Direct Action Everywhere and the Sanctuary Initiative. She's an animal rescuer. She's investigated factory farms, led campaigns and protests. Um, she's one of the most charismatic people I know. But she also has just a lot of spiritual insight. And I say that despite being an atheist myself, uh, I don't believe necessarily some of the things she believes. And you'll see that in this conversation. But where we do agree is that there is something extraordinarily powerful that's world-changing in its power in compassion. And the way we're going to show that in this conversation is a story that almost breaks the space-time continuum because both of us, as this trial approaches and unfolds, are getting this very eerie feeling of deja vu. And it's partly because I've gone through the drill before. I went to trial in December of 2021, was convicted of felonies. I and many other people was, you know, uh, were convinced that I was headed for prison and Priya predicted I would not be. And something interesting happened. Um, she did something in the course of that trial that may have very well saved me from incarceration myself. But you have to listen to the conversation. So um, thanks to everyone who's provided support. Um, before you listen to this conversation, if you haven't yet, go to rightorescue.com and find some ways to take action to support not just me and Paul, but the animals and our vision of a world that's kinder, where rescue is supported and not condemned. Without further ado, here is Priya Sahani. Priya Elon Sahani. <laughs> All right, here we go. How are you again. doing? <laughs> Wayne just cannot stop calling me Elon Musk. <laughs> it's like it's because you, you're rich in everything that matters. Yep. <laughs> like love. You know you're what? Rich, your life is so rich in love. I love that love. you say I'm rich because I swear to God, ever since <laughs> ever since you've said that, I've had no money issues. <laughs> it's true. You have done better. <laughs> I feel great. Yeah. On the other hand, I have kind of bankrupted you, haven't I? The last ten years have not been good for you financially or me, so I bankrupted myself. <laughs> I mean, uh, so it's yeah. uh, the day this podcast is going to be released is the second day of trial. The jury, if not uh, already selected, will soon be selected and we'll be delivering our opening statements. And, and you made a prediction in my last trial. Yes. That honestly, I didn't even really believe. You said I wasn't going to prison. And uh, full disclosure, before we went to North Carolina, I told everyone that I thought it was very likely, you know, I'd be convicted and I'd be serving at least some time. So I guess my first question to you, what was it like watching the trial from afar and just getting these updates? Because you had to stay home yeah. and watch the dog and cat we co-parent. So you're across the country listening to mm -hmm. you know, these updates. I mean, what's going through your mind when this is all unfolding? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely, uh, yeah, I was definitely anxious Every day, every, you know, I was like, oh, what happened today? You know, just trying to get as many updates as I can. And honestly, I really felt like, oh, I just want to go over there. I just want to <laughs> be present because um, there was a lot of moments, like even now, <laughs> you're going to be like, wow, this is what you care about. Almira and I, I was hanging out with Almira and Cassie and they were joking about, you know, something that people say from your trial, something funny. And I was like, oh, 
missed <laughs> they, it all. I, so you had FOMO. Yeah, they, you know, they were like, it was similar to the, um, that one inside joke we had with Clark in Utah. It was just like, oh man, I'm, I'm not in these inside jokes. So I kind of felt a little bit of FOMO. But Clark, obvi- Clark was the guy at the subway. <laughs> Yeah. In Beaver County, what did he say again? Did, oh, he did said, he say it to you? Oh, you weren't there for that. No, I, I was there. You were there. Okay, I was right so there. You, he said, um, "So you didn't miss that one. I missed that one." Yeah, he said, "Oh man, why do I forget this? I say it like every day." Clark, every day. Yeah, what did Clark say? Good old Clark. He said something real funny. He said yeah, he just came by. I remember you were all sitting in a subway because I remember yeah. you telling me this. Yeah, like a hundred times. Yeah, <laughs> you guys kept telling this story over and over again. Oh, and this is this is back when we did that. Vigil at Circle Four right after the raid. Something about tomatoes or apples or something hella funny, something really stupid. Okay, but this is back when we did that that massive vigil back to Circle Four. Was it right after the raids? Yes. Yes. What we're talking about is the FBI raided some animal sanctuaries in Colorado and Utah, and and this is kind of an unprecedented use of federal government force and money. Yeah. To prosecute and and pursue two baby pigs that have been rescued from a factory farm. Yeah. And so we thought, hey, we have to show the industry and the government that they can't do this without a response. So, you know, I think it was a good 70 people or so, like on very short notice. I think very it was short maybe notice. less than a week mm-hmm. just show up at Circle Four's doorstep yep. um, from all over the country, I think. And and we did this massive vigil in Ashen. Um, and then a few months later, we did the Animal Liberation Western Convergence. Mm-hmm. And that was really historic that too. Because really we did an open rescue training in the middle of the night outside of Circle Four Farms. Wait, I thought that was the that was the liberation Oh. No, that was ALWC. Oh, okay. So ALWC is when we went because that I was that was one of the most amazing things we've done that's like not directly op- open rescue is we went to Circle Four Farms and you did a tour of this is where we rescued Lily from. This is where yeah. you know this is where um you just showed us like this is how we walked in and it was just it was mind-blowing honestly yeah i mean there were all these police officers everywhere you know these sirens and and police lights in the distance you could see them flashing yeah and we just literally walked kind of step by step through the process of doing an open rescue at the actual site yeah that was pretty factory farm it was it was one of the most powerful experiences of my life and i had some powerful experiences but going back to what it was like to watch um you're gonna have to do this again. In fact, you'll be doing this right now when this podcast is released. Yes. And, and again, you're very optimistic. So why do you why do you think why do you think it is? I'm gonna come back. I mean, there's some things you just don't have explanations for, and maybe this is one of them. But I'm I'm very you know this way, and I'm like very feeling based. Like so, if I'm yeah. anxious about something, I can't help but show it. But I don't feel anxious, and I think that's really? what I'm going off of. Like I wow. don't. It's almost like I know I'm going to see you very soon. Huh. It's just this feeling and I can't if it changes I'll let you know, but that's that's what I'm feeling right now. Wow. And you felt the same way in North Carolina? You didn't feel that way in North Carolina cuz you were pretty anxious in North Carolina or when I was in North Carolina, right? Um I started getting anxious yeah, cuz you were getting updates and hearing the I started getting going anxious well. and I did a live stream where I started crying cuz I was like, "Oh shit, I guess I was not right." You know, like yeah. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, so I did start getting anxious, and you know, I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure I'll get anxious now too, because it is like every time I hear something about the trial, even you know some of the things that the judge says um, or does, like he does wants to have an anonymous jury, doesn't want the court to be public. public yeah, I always try to analyze, but even <laughs> even when I think about the stuff that the judge, it's almost like he doesn't want people to see. It's almost like 
yeah. putting a veil. And I think when people are doing that, they're usually scared and they and ashamed. And I think, like, yeah, from from what I can tell, it's just I don't see it. Yeah, I just don't see it resulting in too much prison time. Yeah. Well, it's not my place to assess or critique the judge because when this podcast is released, I'll be making arguments in front of the judge. <laughs> but uh, I do think there have been some very strange decisions. And this has been a strange case from day one. Yeah. I want to say before we jump to, you know, uh, what I think is going to be the subject of this conversation, which is just, I mean, I wanted to have you on because in the middle of trial, I think the most important thing for us all to remember is why we're doing what we do. And you know, who better than you to have this conversation with? Because when we started this, oh, thanks, you, were, Wayne. You, were, you were the one who served as uh, really the spiritual foundation for it all. Like the the care and love you have for animals, but your willingness to take risks too. And we'll tell some stories about that. And we've told some of them before, but some of them we haven't. Um, but before we jump to that, and I think that's going to be a fun conversation Yay. that hopefully will remind me too why I'm doing this. Because yeah. I'm honestly feeling kind of tired. You know this. Um, yeah. I'm tired. And it's not even... A fatigue like that's physical. It's certainly not physical because I actually am physically quite strong and alert. Yeah, um, Wayne goes to Orange Theory every day. Go to Orange Theory every day. I'll do it for you. <laughs> I can only do it like two to three times pump, a week. I'm pump so you sore up today. With interval training. <laughs> yeah, I went this morning again. Um, it's actually really sad. I saw one of my buddies, Freddie, who mm. I haven't you know seen much this week, and he's a regular at Orange Theory. And when when he was leaving, he said, "Is this is this my mm. last time? Is this the last time I'm going to see Aww. you?" Um, and we both like had a little moment and it was just, it was quite sad, Aww. but no, it's, but it's not a physical fatigue. And I don't even think it's a, it's, it's like a mental fatigue. I think I've told you before, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely experiencing this weird spiritual malaise. Yeah. And when I say spiritual, I don't even mean anything metaphysical because unlike you, I don't believe in mm -hmm. anything, you know, beyond the physical world. Yeah. I, I respect people who do. And I obviously have lots of friends, family members, loved ones who do believe in something beyond the physical realm. But when I say spiritual, I just mean there's something in the fabric of consciousness yeah. that seems sick right yeah. now. And I think because I am in touch with and part of that fabric of consciousness, I'm feeling that same sickness. Yeah, it's interesting what you're what you're talking about. I, I think I feel it too. That's the way you just phrased it kind of gave me some chills. I think what you're saying is something that I, I I have felt too. It's something doesn't feel. I don't know how to how you describe this feeling, but I feel like if I look back at life two years ago, something is so different, and I routinely ask myself, "What is it?" and I cannot pinpoint it. Is yeah. this? I don't know if this is. I I think I do have. A, I mean, I have a hypothesis. Okay. Um. And I don't think it's a pandemic. I think the pandemic accelerated it. And yeah, made I don't it, think it's that either. It, yeah. it kind of worsen the sickness that already existed in the human spirit. Um, but I think the sickness was already there. Yeah. The pandemic is just kind of like, you know, maybe you're cold, but if you're already sick, the cold is going to make you feel even worse. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, and I, I, I know you know this about me, I think the sickness is distrust. Yeah. I, I think all good things in life come from trust, yeah. especially with human beings. Even like our relationships with the animals we love, but the human beings we love, you know, like there's a lot of beautiful, wonderful things about our relationship with Oliver, but it all starts with the foundation of trust. Like yeah. Oliver just trusts us. Yes. And, and there's something really beautiful about that. Oliver is the dog that uh, I rescued from along with Cristobal Van Breen and Julian Perry, two amazing activists 
from China in 2016 from a pen where he was going to be slaughtered for dog meat. And But within days, I was actually just watching the video again oh. of him dancing when I break the house. I've watched that video like 500 I, times. I can watch maybe it. Long, maybe a thousand times. I can watch every video of Oliver <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> like so many times. Because it's just, it's so amazing to see because within, you know, basically a two week or so period, he goes from being this hairless, terrified, traumatized living being to 7,000 miles, 7, miles away being in the upstairs of a Berkeley house <laughs> with a little squeaky tennis ball Aww. dancing in circles in joy. So happy. And that transformation is just, I mean, that's, that's what we need. But, you know, I think that that sense of awe, that sense of beauty, all, that all comes from a sense of trust because yeah. Oliver would not have been dancing in that circle. He would not have felt safe yeah. to, to feel joy if not for the fact that he trusted us to take care of him. And we will. That's, yeah, I think you're right. And you know what's really funny? I, I, <laughs> I drink this tea that has the little uh, notes on it. And I guess I was drinking it in bed. And this morning I woke up. And um, I found like the little. I'm gonna I'm gonna just lower the mic a little bit, okay? Okay. Be, you, you can keep talking. And I could hear, and I saw the little tea bag with a note on it, and it said, um, "Having trust is finding peace." <laughs> and that's so ironic. And I was, I was telling my partner Daisy, I was like, "That's so funny. Look at this. Having trust is finding peace." <laughs> it's yeah. funny that you said that, and and I think it's true. And I think it's true. Having trust in the universe having trust in ourselves, having trust in the movement, having trust in each other. Yeah. Um, I, you know, um, so it's a big part of the reason, you know, I think we started this new organization, the Sanctuary Initiative. Yes. And I think it's a big part of what makes sanctuary so beautiful. Um, because sanctuaries are places where animals that have no reason to trust anything or anyone, animals who have been betrayed by the world, you know, by the people or their caretakers. And this betrayal, it goes far beyond just the interactions between a slaughterhouse and, and the animal being slaughtered or a factory farm and the animal being confined. It goes back thousands of years. I mean, like I think about pigs and, and dogs. I was thinking about blogging about this, but there's a lot of theories as to how the first pig became basically a human slave, mm -hmm. came under human control. Um, one of the theories is that there were these wild pigs that were just digging around near human encampments and they started becoming friendlier and friendlier because they knew there were plenty of food sources. And this is a slightly more positive view of how domestication happened, right? That, you know, uh, they came closer to us and there was this like Faustian bargain that we give you food and then we kill you for flesh, oh. right? So, um, but I read recently and I, I think this seems to me more plausible, although it's, it's, gonna, it's hard to say. And, and the reality is it's complicated. There's actually been some pretty interesting research on pig genetics mm -hmm. recently that showed that pigs were originally domesticated about 9,000 years ago in China, but they were basically re-domesticated over and over again because they were taken to places like Europe. They went wild again oh. and mixed with wild DNA, and wow. then they were re-domesticated and came wild. back into human civilization like multiple times. So pigs are from China? Pigs are from China. Whoa, I had no idea. And dogs too. Yeah, dogs, dogs too? Yeah. I did not know that about dogs. Yeah, it's, it's a mark of shame, honestly, on my people because, you know, the domestication of these animals. I mean, domestication isn't the right word. It's really enslavement. You know, it's captivity and enslavement. But um, 
So, but one of the theories is that, you know, there were these pigs scavenging around our settlements and, and they made this bargain. That was a bad bargain. I mean, it was a bad bargain, but still, it was like a voluntary choice. I think the more plausible hypothesis, and I think the hypothesis that has um, more merit to it, is that um, people killed pigs and would kill mother pigs and then see the babies that were left behind and realize these babies have no value to us because they're too scroungy and small to eat. So let's cage them and fatten them up oh, so wow. we can slaughter them later. It's horrible. And, 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 and the, only ones, the only ones that you decided not to slaughter and consume immediately were the sweet and gentle ones that you thought, you know, we can, we can control this one. Let's keep, let's keep this one in a cage longer because she's not oh. fighting back. She's not going to bite us. And you do that for a few generations, and suddenly you get the domesticated wow. pig, which is a 600-pound giant that is as sweet as a little puppy. Oh, gosh. That's so, horrible. Yeah, I mean, the origin of the pig is, is probably murdering somebody's mother oh. uh, and then holding them in a cage, or at least putting a yoke over their neck. I, just, I try to imagine like that first pig, and, yeah. or even that first cow, that you know, a human being put a chain over the neck. And what they thought and what they felt. Wow. Yeah, that's really... It's dark. That's really dark. Yeah. But all the more reason the work we're doing is so important. Anyways, before we, we jump to hopefully more, uh, more optimistic discussions about why, why animals are so important to us, um, I do want to say that in a strange way, your vision of what was going to happen in North Carolina became true. <laughs> Yeah. Right? And, and I, I, you know the story, right? Yes, that, you told me. Yeah, the Jason. I mean, do you want to tell the story, at least from your recollection? No, you, you can tell. I'll tell. I mean, I guess I was the one who interacted. Yeah. So uh, you post this live stream. Why did you post that live stream? I don't Would know. I was, I was sitting in the car and I started feeling anxious. Did Had I, had I just talked to you or something? Uh, I think I, um, I think I got uh, just, you know, more updates. I'm not sure what specific update. But, um, yeah, I think it was a combination of specific updates. And then I think you had just had a, maybe you called me and you were like, okay, this could be one of the last times I say bye to Oliver. And I was just like, mm, I think I just started right. feeling it. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was just literally sitting in the car going back inside to go see Oliver and Joan. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, I really need to do a live stream. Like, this is so fucked up. Like, I don't, I just want to share this with the world. And I want to just, you know. I want everybody to do what they can, even if it's just meditate for a few seconds. And I think we all did meditate on that live stream together. Hmm. And, um, and, and yeah, and I just wanted to share, be vulnerable and share with people how I'm feeling. And I know, uh, I know other people are feeling anxious too, because while they're not as connected to you as I am, maybe they do feel, you know, this, this sense of, uh, wanting to, wanting to make sure that you're safe and, um, wanting to make sure that people who are rescuing animals aren't facing, um, you know, this, these consequences, because we know that what we're doing is not criminal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do remember this now. I think I remember telling you this, this could yeah. be the last time I see Oliver, just so you know, because we were going to closing argument the next day. Um, yeah. And, um, things were not looking good. And in that case it involved a, a little baby goat with pneumonia, little rain. So sweet. Yeah. Rain was such a unique character, but, um, you know, we were charged with a couple felonies. I was the only person who went to trial. All the other co-defendants pled out of the case. Um, 
and uh, in many ways, even worse in this case, the, yeah. the judge was making rulings saying we couldn't even talk about the value of the goat. And we're like, I mean, what evidence are we allowed to present? And yeah. he had cut me off mid-sentence uh, during the opening statement, said you can't talk about the care you gave this goat. It's like, I can't talk about the things we did to keep this goat alive. You know, yeah. and like the caretaker, you know, a heroic woman um, who saved baby Rain's life. I mean, she, she, I know she was furious about this too because she was so frustrated that just the truth of what was happening wasn't going to unfold in trial. I mean, when you think about justice and you think about the court of law, most Americans think yeah. this is an institution where we are trying to find truth. Yeah. In every single person, including the prosecutor and including the farm owner, everybody knew that in this courtroom, we were not going to hear the truth. <laughs> and it was, I mean, we laugh about it, but it's also disturbing. It's, it's very disturbing. It, and I remember yeah. I was talking, I don't want to talk, say her name because, you know, she doesn't want to get in trouble. And, and she was terrified by this entire experience. And, you know, officers visited her, her sanctuary and scared the crap out of her by threatening her with felony charges. Someone who has never been involved in a crime in her life. Single mother with two daughters she's trying to care for. Um, and, and, and out of the goodness of her heart, she takes in these rescued and abused animals. And she knew, she knew that Rain was on the brink of death because she was an experienced rescuer. And she rushed him to receive veterinary care. He no. got a shot of Draxin, which is a very powerful, it's called a second line antibiotic. Wow. The only use when it's a very dangerous disease and you know we can't use the normal antibiotics is this better work or he's going to die, right? So we got a shot of Draxin. She knew this goat was on the brink, but we were not able to share that with the jury. And... Um, and I knew that if the jury just felt like I'd snuck into someone's home and st st stolen their goat or dog or anything, like even if I snuck into your home and stole your chair, you know, they're not going to allow me to do that. Yeah. On the other hand, if they had heard this is a goat who um, was, was coughing and sneezing, was uh, just a few days old, um, was, had eye discharge from his eye that um, was, was dark and pus-filled, which suggests it was filled with bacteria from a disease, if they knew that we had previously seen a goat collapse on the ground next to a pile of his own feces um, with a bloated belly from um, uh, a disease called coccidia that is not only very dangerous, uh, especially for a baby animal, but can danger the entire herd. So it's a danger to the herd. So in many ways, by rescuing these animals, we're doing farmers a favor because sick animals are a liability for the entire farm. But she knew what she had to go through to save those animals' lives. She didn't know until very late, very much later where these animals actually came from. But when she knew what we had to go through and she knew that the truth was being denied in this courtroom. Yeah. So she was furious. But yeah. we also knew that because the truth wasn't being going to be told, the odds are I was going to be kicked and yeah. convicted. And that's when I called you. Yeah. Yeah, it's bizarre to me. Even when you were talking yesterday, I, I won't share details, but it's um, it's amazing like how much like a judge who's supposed to be, you know, in, in that position because they're trying to be fair and uphold you know, uh, uphold these so-called values. Like, it doesn't seem like truth is one of them. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I've been a lawyer for, a law professor for, yeah, gosh, it's 15 years now, right? Uh, over 15 years. So I graduated from law school in 2006, uh, went to work at Northwestern that, that right after graduating in the fall of 2006. And every year I've, sadly lost faith in our legal system because I think all the rules and procedures and legal jargon are not no longer being used in an effort to get to the truth 
they're used to suppress the truth. And that's scary, not just for one case. That's yeah. scary for the future of the American democracy, the American yeah. political experiment. But I didn't actually finish the story. So, you know, we knew we had been gagged and prevented from presenting evidence in this courtroom. <laughs> yeah. um, we got to the end of the, the testimony and, you know, Shurston tried to do the job that she could do as an expert witness to describe the conditions the animals had been raised in, but she couldn't do it because the judge wouldn't allow it. And so I think the night before our closing arguments, or maybe even the morning of, it was probably the night before, right? I wouldn't have called you the um, morning. I think it, it was, was the, the night, night before. before. It's probably like right after the end of court yeah. on Thursday. And we're going to closing arguments, I think on Friday or Monday. Um, we did a little live stream, or not a live stream, but a video call where you know you showed me Oliver, which you did. You were sending me clips throughout the trial because, I mean, there's nothing that makes me happier than yeah. seeing Oliver happy. Um, and Joan too, obviously. I always forget to mention Joan because Joan isn't as publicly famous, but he's mm. just as important to me yeah. as his brother. Uh, I just had to look at Joan. Joan and Oliver lying down next to us. Um, Joan's been so sweet today. He's been Joan's walking up to me sweet. and cuddling my cuddling in my lap and purring. Aww. He doesn't usually purr when I carry him, but today he was purring when I was carrying him. Aww. You know, so. Aww. Anyways, so we we did this video call, um, and I said this could be the last time I see Oliver. Um, because right after closing arguments, it goes to the jury. Um, or maybe, actually, maybe I called you when I went to the jury. Yeah. And I said, I think that's it. I don't remember exactly when you called me. But yeah, I, remember I don't it remember. Not, it was evening time. Yeah, maybe it was evening time. But anyways, and, I, and then I could tell you were kind of hit pretty hard by it. I, I'm remembering this now. Mm-hmm. Um, but something amazing happened because of this. So you do your live stream. Um, I think a lot of other people are posting too. Yeah. You know, just basically saying... This is this is not okay. I mean, so much evidence has been suppressed, and now this person is going to go to prison. That's that's not that's not America. That's not what we believe in. Yeah. And and something kind of remar- remarkable <laughs> happened the next morning. Like the next morning, I get into court, and and the lead prosecutor in this case pulls me aside. Um, and this is someone we had been in some intense arguments. Like we had been like face to face on the first day and got into an argument. That actually was my fault. And I've shared this before, but I made a false in on inadvertent but false allegation against him on the first day and he was pissed you know like john will tell you he looked like he wanted to punch me on the first oh day gosh. so that was it was not a good start to the trial but he had been surprisingly um to me at least surprisingly straightforward with me throughout the trial um, i think he respected the fact that i was defending myself um and i think honestly he felt a little bad the judge was scagging us so yeah. much and then after he saw your live stream he pulled me aside and said I just want you to know I'm not going to be asking for prison time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wait, didn't, did he say something about my live stream? He I, said, I've seen some of your supporters and, and the effect it's having on them. I think he said something about too. like, you know, people crying and stuff. Like, yeah. yeah, I was crying on that live stream. That's bizarre. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea I was, you know, being watched by the, the prosecutor. <laughs> well, they've been following our social media for years. At yeah. That point. But also um, not surprising. I mean, I know that there's many people who could be watching. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I watched it because I think I started to watch that live stream and it started making me yeah. kind of emotional. And then mm-hmm. I just said, you know, I have to be in a more positive frame yeah. of mind because I'm about to deliver a closing argument. I should go yeah. back and watch it now. <laughs> yeah, it was me so, sitting in a car. It was, uh, it was so uneventful. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I mean, I was just like, let's meditate together. And then people were like, yeah, let's do it. And, wow. you know, that was powerful because I just wanted to feel that because I, I wasn't I wasn't able to be around all the DXC people and North Carolina. So I was kind of missing that, you know, I was like, oh, all these other people, at least they get to be together and have this sort of like solace. Yeah. But I didn't. I, I, so I had to kind of create that for myself. Yeah. No, it was an intense moment. And when the, the verdict came in and, you know, it was it was. 
or actually, I'm sorry, when the, I think the jury went to deliberate and then we went back to the Airbnb where all the actors were gathering and there were, you know, like a bunch of us, probably like 20, 25. Some people had left because I think this is the Monday. Um, I think the way it happened was we finished all the testimony by Friday and then we had closing arguments on, on Monday. Um, and then the, the jury went back to deliberate. We go back to the Airbnb and, um, um, yeah, I told John, uh, and I can say this now, I, I didn't say it at the time cause I didn't want to be too pessimistic. I told John, who is my lawyer, kind of, but kind of. they wouldn't really let him defend me, you know, cause they said no standby counsel because anyways, it's a longer story. But I told John, I think we're going to get convicted. You know, I think, and I think this is probably, and I, I was already like giving him my laptop and my phone wow. and my like personal materials and giving him, you know, passwords that I really should have given you previously because <laughs> you're my legal support person. But I was just writing down my passwords so he would be able to access my stuff and make sure all my affairs could be arranged. Um, and then we get the call, you know, about two hours or not even two hours. I think it was like an hour. And when you have that short of a deliberation, it usually means convict because conviction is the easier choice. It's like just, you know, especially in a case like this, it's just you know, the straightforward thing to do. And so if the jury comes back quickly, it usually means convict. Yeah. Um, yeah. And everyone was crying. Like it was very, very intense. It's very intense. And I was preparing myself. You know, I was very, very much just like mentally preparing myself for a potential long period of incarceration. Um, and in particular, not being able to see the people I love. Yeah. You know, including you and Oliver and Joan. Yeah. Everybody in my family. Well, I, I remember hearing that you were kind of like pissed because you were like, no, I don't want probation. I want some prison time. <laughs> I, I wasn't pissed. I did ask for prison time and not probation because probation can be quite onerous. Exactly. You know, can be, yeah. Like I, I know what happened to um, Lauren and Kevin in the Shack Seven. Yeah. When they got probation, this is a, a prior generation Ugh, of animal rights yeah. activists. And Lauren was, was told for three years. I mean, she also got an in custody sentence beyond probation, but yeah. when she was released, partly on good behavior, a little bit early on probation, she couldn't contact the people who were involved in chat. So it's like you're still in prison. <laughs> yeah, you're isolated from the people you love. Wow. And that would be hard. That is... Um, and obviously she can do activism. So, you know, my view was, like, yeah, you right. just do the time and yeah. then get out and, and then I'm actually free. Yeah. You know, to do and, and say and, and be with the people I, I want to be with. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, yeah, wow. Well, we'll see what happens. I, I am I am anxious because I want it all to happen and I just want to know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure you feel that way a lot more than I do. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's going to be a real challenge to try and connect to the prosecutors in this case. Um, I didn't know anything about Jason Hayes and um, and Bob, oh, I'm forgetting Bob's last name. Sorry, Bob, if you're listening to this. Uh, honestly, both of them are great guys. I like them all now, but I didn't know anything about them. And everything we had heard about them prior to that trial was very negative, you know, that these are hardcore prosecutors. They, when, when our attorney went to them uh, right before trial and asked, you know, what kind of plea bargain are you ask, are you considering? Uh, they, they said, we're, we're, looking, we're looking for significant consequences. And usually when someone says significant consequences in the context of a criminal case, that means prison time. It's not like, oh, we'll give you probation, no jail time. So... Everything we thought we knew about Jason was negative and, and you know, adversarial. And then obviously we had that, that first day where we're like face to face. Wow. And, you know, he says, I think, he, I think the words he said were something like, I'll teach you a lesson. You know? Oh my God. I know it was intense. But it, I, like, again, in retrospect, he was right. Like I was wrong. He was right. 
hundred percent. But I actually think one of the reasons. Wait, what do you think you were wrong about? What do you think? Uh, so I'll tell the story again. I mean, I guess I should tell it because it's it's a crazy story. Um, so I, we had a couple of our legal team members just sitting in, in the in the waiting room. Oh, I, I see. Uh, outside the jury box and outside of the courtroom, uh, and it's a. It is a public area, but it's a public area in the back of the courtroom. Most people in the public don't actually go and sit there. Um, but it's also the area where the jury is coming in and out. And um, they overheard a conversation. Uh, they were, it was around the corner, so that the people who were having the conversation couldn't see them. They overheard a conversation where they thought one of the prosecutors was joking about how all the people coming in um, from California were, um, I think the term was sexual abusers mm-hmm. and, and crazy people. Like saying something like, look at all these crazy people. Um, and then joking about like someone had brought a dog to the courtroom. Um, not to come into the court, but just outside of the courtroom, there's a woman with a dog. And they heard a voice saying like, oh, look at that fucking piece of shit woman. She's going to leave her dog's shit all over the courthouse. And we'll have to pay to clean that up too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, these are... The dog shit thing, I guess, is not that inflammatory allegation, but the idea that this is a group of sexual abusers, um, which, you know, there have been kind of absurdly, comically false allegations uh, by the industry, mostly, and this website called activistfacts.com against DXE specifically. I mean, I think at the time, I don't, I haven't checked their website now, but at the time, I was on the front page of both Activist Facts and the Center for Consumer Freedom. Like, my face was the front page of both of them which are basically these websites that pretend to be like Wikipedia's for activism and they're actually created by the industry to tarnish the reputations of activists, which I I don't know where this guy found out about this. But they thought that people listening to this conversation and hearing these people comment, these lawyers in the back of the courtroom comment about sexual abusers, thought it was the prosecutor saying this Mm -hmm. um, with potential jurors right next to them. And and that is a very serious potential allegation. it, it was potentially serious regardless of whether it was one of the prosecutors saying it because the jurors could be prejudiced. If they heard this, they might think like, oh my God, wait, who are these people? Is this some sort of cult? I mean, this is really dangerous. And you know, God forbid any of them go to Activist Facts and see some of the Center for Consumer Freedom's website. So they related this to me and I was like, what? Like seriously? Because one of the prosecutors said this about us and, and the people in this courtroom. Um, but it turned out it wasn't one of them. It was another guy who looks very similar to the prosecutors. Um, and Jason was present in that conversation, but he didn't say it himself. And I said in open court, like uh, that we have evidence that the prosecutor said this and, and they didn't. Um, wow. And the reason we found out is because later there was actually a, a surveillance camera in the courtroom and the court, like obviously we threw the jury out at that point. Wow. We had to stop the trial and say like, okay, was the jury corrupted by this, you know, pretty false and scurrilous allegation. Um, and so they throw the jury out. The judge actually pulls the surveillance tapes and we play the tapes and you can oh, see who, who was actually saying this. And I was like, shit, it wasn't Jason. Um, but I, I profusely apologized to him. I apologized in open court. I said, please strike the record. Because this is a fairly serious ethical violation yeah. for a prosecutor to be doing this sort of thing. I will say the attorney who did it, um, I don't want to call him out. But that guy's got some issues. Yeah, that's he's, messed up. Yeah, he's got some issues, and he needs to think about his integrity as a lawyer. And again, I don't want to call him out because I haven't talked to him directly about this. And oh, that's I've never even up. met the guy. 
But the guy who was on the surveillance tapes, and it was it was kind of joking and comical. I still think it's problematic that they were all just sitting there listening to this. Well, I mean, I think he didn't say anything, but I think he was just kind of stunned by what this guy was saying too. He was like, if you looked at his face, he was like, what okay, is this guy okay. Saying? so he you know, wasn't like, like he was just kind of. You know, I mean, sometimes someone you're friendly with says something that's ridiculous and you're just and like, you're you don't like, really know what to do yeah, and don't say, know what to do. I don't yeah. think it was malicious on his part. And I, yeah. I also think, I mean, it's not like you can have an argument with this guy about it and say like, hey, you shouldn't do that. Because in their discretion as attorneys, they should not be having anything like this conversation yeah. right next to the jury. So anyways, I, I, um, wow. I ate vegan crow in open court, apologized mm-hmm. to him, um, to the court. And, and then I apologized to him in person afterwards and said, hey, this is a mistake. I shouldn't have wow. done it. You know, is there anything that I could do, like write something to, to indicate that I was wrong about this and that there was surveillance footage showing that I was wrong with this? Because otherwise it was on actually the court record. It was on the transcript. Um, and I actually think it's one of the reasons he turned too. Like he, he realized, hey, you know, whatever you want to think about Wayne, yeah, he's trying to be an honest person yes. and he does like fess up well, when he makes a mistake. And I did. Great. Like I felt very bad about it and I told him, I feel very bad about this. And I think it was like, you know what? Like that's honorable. Yeah. That's so. good. That's that's. But I still story. think the more influential thing was your video. Well, <laughs> I would love to talk to Jason Hayes and be like, "Hey, let's, Jason, let's do it. Let's go to North Carolina really, and hang yeah. out with him." Honestly, we should. I really do want it. to know. Like, did you watch? Did that you watch? Was my video the one? <laughs> I mean, he's he's an interesting guy. Like his. So this is this is kind of just a demonstration of how the world changes, and I, I don't want to go into too many details because it's this is his story. But I will say he has he has some personal connection in his life. Um, to people who care about animals and he cares about animals too. Yeah. Like there's, I, I think there's very few people on this planet who don't care about animals. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. And so he, he went from saying there are going to be very significant consequences to saying, I'm not going to ask for prison time. Wow. In the span that's amazing. Of one week. And you can just change your mind that quickly. It's so interesting how like the little things that influence people. Yeah. Have you been in North Carolina before? No. East North Carolina is a sad place for you. Yeah, I don't think... I, yeah, I haven't been there. Yeah. I think every animal rights activist, and maybe everybody on this earth, should go to Tar Heel at least once. Yeah. And see that heard new about Smithfield that. plant. I've heard about that. That Smithfield place plant. is... The slaughterhouse, Terrifying. Right? Yeah, the slaughterhouse. It's so big. Even just the parking lot. I th- Honestly... The first thing that shook me up when I got there was the parking lot. It was just massive. Because it looked like a parking lot for like the Super Bowl. There were so many cars. And I thought to myself, this is a pig slaughterhouse? That's... Good gosh. Yeah. Farmer John was big to me. <laughs> yeah. You know how many pigs they do every day there? Uh, over 6,000? No, way more than that. 20? Over 20,000 pigs Oh, God, every that makes day. me want... Oh, gosh, 20,000. Yeah. Over 20,000, well... And it's just, it's mind-blowing because when you're standing out there, and I've been to North Carolina many times. and You can probably smell the... Oh, you can smell from miles away. I mean, it smells like death and feces and suffering, all wrapped in a ball of hell. You know, it's, it's disgusting. But, that, you know, when we were sitting there doing a vigil, I've, I've been there many times because uh, I've been in North Carolina many times, and I try to go visit that, that slaughterhouse because it's, I mean, it's a gravesite to so many millions of animals. You know, I think it's, um, annually, I think it's, 25 million or so i don't remember the exact number but it's it's tens of millions i think every year slaughtered there the thing that is most mind-blowing and hardest to me about being there is because the trucks are just coming in it's not like farmer john in southern california we think a lot of trucks come there and they come like every 15 20 minutes in Tar Heel, north carolina it's like every minute another truck with a few hundred pigs wow. all screaming well, all terrified over twenty thousand. that's yeah. how it has to be but the the 
the weird thing about it is, and the hard thing about it is, and, and honestly, this is even hard with me when I'm walking around on the streets of San Francisco, but I think it's a good exercise, even if it's hard, is when you think about every single one of these pigs mm. is unique. Yeah, that is so hard to think about. They're like Oliver. Yeah. And they're, they're special. There's never been a living being on this planet like them who has their experiences, their consciousness, Aww. their feelings. Like it's, it's this, is, this might be a good segue for us to talk about animals because I've said this to you many times, but there's something so beautiful and unique and just awe-inspiring in every living being on this earth, every conscious being especially, because there's something just so wondrous about consciousness. You know, the idea that these cells, these organs could come together yeah, and they, make this magical thing that is consciousness, that is yeah. feeling. And we know this when we're dogs. Like, every dog is unique. Like, I was just at the dog park this morning. And, you know, every single one of these dogs is so different and special. And you can see that every one of the guardians, so the people who know them, know they're special. Oh, yeah. Like, just like we know Oliver is special. Yeah. Like, he's different from every dog Every dog that we've had, but every dog in the history of the planet Earth, there has never been an Oliver before. No. And every single one. Oliver, come here. Oliver. Oliver. Oh, he just put his head up and put oh, that. Oh, you're so he cute. He knows what we're talking about. Oliver, him. come here. You want to come to mom? Oh, he's coming over to mom now. What a sweet boy. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> he didn't come to mom. Mom called him and he comes to dad. It's because he knows dad's going to leave oh, tomorrow. I know. I think he does know. I really do. It's very sad. Oh. But there's never been an Oliver in the history of the planet Earth. He's so cute. In the history of the universe, there's yeah. never been a planet Earth. Probably the multiverse. Yeah. yeah. All the infinite universes. All, Oliver's the only Oliver. Oliver is the only Oliver that's ever existed. Oliver, are there other versions of you? No, I hope there so, are none. I hope so. Cause... Well, you and I disagree on this because you believe in reincarnation, right? So you think there is possibly another version of Oliver in the future or in the past? Um... No, I, well, I, I do believe that there's other versions of Oliver, but not because of reincarnation. Huh. Talk to the mic, don't forget. But more because of like the multiverse, you know. Huh. If there's uh, different realities and we're just in one of them, then there's multiple yous and me. <laughs> yeah, huh. I don't know. <laughs> Say more about that. What do you mean? Well, so you think there's like if this is just different one, universes that are parallel to each other? Yeah, if, there's like, if this is just one iteration like of... of of reality, then there's multiple realities. Yeah. And Oliver and you and me, I mean, and, and all of them are slightly different. Slightly. Well, some of them could be very different. Yeah, and some of them are very different. And it I hope I'm not... It could be a universe not... where all the pigs are loved. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I want to tap into that universe. That's going to be our universe yeah. in 30 years. Yeah. I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. That, that is going to be our universe. And yeah. all the other... Oliver, come here. Imagine all the other parallel universes yeah. if you're looking at our universe if they knew and said like, that is the universe where they save the pigs. Yes, and they want to they come to They stop torturing them and they think then like... we have technology Yeah, to get we there. have to create like a transporter that can take yeah. people from their awful universes yep. where the pigs are being mistreated to ours. I think our universe will and be the universe of compassion. And you know, we already do have a... Trans we, we have a way to do that. We can meditate into that world and then make it so happen. I truly truly believe that. It's kind of what you did with our trial. You meditated <laughs> on Facebook Live and then I'm free somehow. It's like, I don't know how that happened. I'm it a went witch. From significant consequences <laughs> to he's free to run around again. I'm a but witch. You're a witch. <laughs> now you know my secret. Now you know. It has now been published <laughs> But on I mean, everybody Wayne Chung tonight. You know what? Like, 
what's the harm? You're, in you're Elon this? and you're a witch. Yeah, it, you know maybe what they, Elon's a witch. Maybe he's probably a witch too. That's why I mean, he's so you know rich. what they he's say: ma- magic is just a, a, you know bending reality with your will. And I got the will. You, you <laughs> I got the you, will. You got the will, and you bent reality, <laughs> and that's why I'm still sitting here able to do this podcast. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I, that's all fun and games. And actually, yeah. I mean, there's there's actually a lot of evidence behind this. For the, for those of you who don't know, yes. I mean, there's a great podcast. I think I think Ezra Klein had this physicist on his show mm-hmm. once, and it was like a pretty mind blowing podcast because I think one of the dominant theories within physics is that we are just one of potentially mm-hmm. infinite universes, yeah. right? And if you've seen the Doctor Strange movie, first of all, what is wrong with you? <laughs> or if you haven't seen the Doctor Strange, yeah, movie, that's a good movie. I like you saw it. Yeah, with we the newest one. Yeah, we went to the theater at all of Animal House when we were living there. We saw it. Yeah. Okay, so about the one where like the Scarlet Witch is trying to find her kids. Yes, I know it's so sweet, isn't it? Is. It? Oh, it made me cry. Yeah, she's so in love she with her kids. Her she doesn't care about killing yeah. others. <laughs> that's the sad part. Like the happy part is she loves her children. She's the sad so... part is she wants to murder everyone in every universe yeah. to save her two children, and like not even to save her two children, just so she can be with them. Yeah, but. I, all right, spoiler. Everyone ready? Yeah. Spoiler. But she eventually realizes it doesn't matter if she's with them. Yeah. It just matters they're happy. Yeah. And Thank that's God a lesson I need to that. learn right now, too. Because I was telling you yesterday. Yeah. Well, you already know that. Yeah. I know. I know. So that's, and that's why I'm at peace. Because, you know, I, I mean, it'll be nice to get updates um, if I'm incarcerated. And, you know, I told you, like, <laughs> Even even leaving like yesterday when I, we when we we read Point Isabel yesterday with Oliver. Oh, he was so sad. He was sad when I laughed for sure, but he'll get over it. And as long as he's happy and he's with his mom, he did get over love, it. He'll get over it. He got over it. Um, but I was very sad. Yeah, I think and, he could feel it. Honestly, he could. Yeah, feel Yeah, I think it. he can feel that I'm feeling anxious because he. About ha- it was different. Usually, it was, it was ridiculous because I was thinking to myself, "Why am I so sad? I'm literally going to see him in an hour. All I was doing was going to get a haircut, and then I was going to see him again in an hour." And I was getting really sad. I was like, oh my God, Oliver, Aww. poor boy. I want you to be with me. Yeah. And and it's because like, it still is the highlight of my day. Like when I, <laughs> every morning when I go, first thing I do when I wake up is I take Oliver for a quick walk, bring him back. And then I go to Orange Theory, you know, the, the gym I go to. And when I'm coming back from Orange Theory, the entire walk back, I'm just thinking, yes, I get to see yeah. Oliver. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I think literally it's, what I'm thinking. I, I'm honestly, like, I think it's the best part of everybody's yeah, day. When like, you come home to see your dog. Like I, I don't, I think most people who have dogs yeah, and, and cats and other companion animals feel this way. Like, yeah. You know, it's, I, it's weird that uh, this is one of the reasons why I think people who don't have dogs are a little weird and possibly disturbed. No yeah. offense if you don't have a dog. I agree. I, you know, it's, it's kind of like someone who is missing an arm and doesn't realize it or something like that, or even worse. Like, but this is like underappreciated about dogs, but dogs make your home feel like the most joyous place in the world. They, it's so true. they make your home feel like Disney World. Yeah. And especially when you get home, like right when you get home, when you have a dog, your world they throw you Disney a party world. every time they you throw come. you a party every time you come. they're they're leaping in the air in joy they're licking you they're <laughs> knocking you over they're showing you their toys Aww. like why would you not want your home to be Disney World That's every time so you come true. home you know like with like a that shooting star and like imagine Disney World like all of Oliver wags his tail so he, hard he shakes yeah he does his bum wagger he puts like his, you call him yeah, bum wagger bum cause wagger, he, yeah because yeah, he wags his bum so fast it's like dang dude like that's, yeah. that seems like it's almost painful and his how ears fast. go down his, 
Yeah, which is kind of weird. Uh, he's just excited, I think. He's just so excited. It's yeah, almost like so this desperation, like, oh my God, he just, you're here again. Like, yeah, he just loves us so He's much. in love. And then, you know, yeah. And then Birdie, he uh, brings, he puts anything that he sees in his mouth and he'll bring, <laughs> he'll bring you a little gift. Yeah, Bert, this is the beagle, right? Yeah. That you lost for a day. Yes. A couple days ago. Yeah. And you found him, thank yep. God. Yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll bring you anything that's on the floor. Oh, that video is so beautiful. <laughs> Video, yeah, like, if, yeah, you all should go watch it. It's, go watch the video of Priya being Instagram reunited with Facebook. her dog after losing him for a day, a little <clears> beagle, <throat> and it's it's pretty, it's kind of intense, but it's beautiful too. And yeah, as I was funny, it's like he's so excited to see you, yet he's still carrying that stick. Huh? Yeah, yeah, he's like, I gotta find, I gotta, I gotta give her something, I gotta something give her something, I gotta give yeah. her something. But this is just another example of how every animal is unique. Like with Oliver, he does the bum wagging thing, yeah. the ears down, and like, um, and like you Aww. know, nuzzling up against you. Yeah. And with Birdie, it's like. Wagging his tail like a little helicopter and and shaking his head with a little stick in his mouth. And I'll bring us back to something sad, but it's the sad part of yeah. being in a place like Tar Heel is when you really try to understand what is going on there and you realize there's this incredibly precious, unique consciousness. Mm-hmm. Not just one of them, but in every one of these trucks, 300 of them. Oh my God. You know, like these living beings have never existed. There's never been anyone like this in the history of the planet Earth. In the history of the multiverse, and it is about to be utterly destroyed. And not only that, but for the past six months, every beautiful thing about this consciousness that could have been cultivated and cherished and respected has been tarnished and corrupted and caged, you know? Um, And you see that most vividly in these transport trucks. Well, I mean, also in gestation crates, but the transport trucks are kind of like gestation crates in that... All these poor pigs are crammed so tight up against each other, sometimes for hours with no access to any food or water, just drowning in their own filth. And in their last moments, you know, they know they're going to die. No. It's just, it's a frightening place. It's hard place. to put yourself in that position because we're so privileged. We don't really yeah. understand that fear, honestly. But if you go to North Carolina, you got to go there. And uh, yeah, I'm not saying like, just to traumatize you or anyone else. And I, I really encourage everyone. I don't, you know, I don't care if you're a vegan and an animal rights activist or someone eats bacon for every meal. You should go there and see the truth I of think what that yeah, place is. I think it's good to go to places like that. Because you will see a place where life is being destroyed. Yeah. Um, and everything good in life is being corrupted. Yeah. But here's, here's the key bit. And this doesn't happen to everyone. A lot of people go there and they're just crushed by the experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, even Anita Crunch. Um, the woman who started this movement called the Save Movement, which is all about going to slaughterhouses and bearing witness and getting closer to the suffering. Even in a crime, has told me that I'm kind of burned out. You know, I've, I've seen too much suffering. It's too much. And here's the key bit. For me, that doesn't happen. Because every time I'm there, I'm also envisioning a world where the pigs are free. Yeah. And I'm even making concrete plans. I'm yeah. thinking about... That's what makes you what so different, do. Wayne. <laughs> yeah. I think so. <laughs> well, I mean, I know so. Yeah, it's because, you know, you're able to bring this vision to life. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I think a lot of people, they just, that, and I think, honestly, it's kind of sad, but I'm kind of like this. I need to surround myself with people who have really, like, intense vision because f- we're all different, and I, I, I'm good at absorbing, but I'm not good at, per- you know, not good at, like, radiating that vision. Really? I don't think so. Why do you think that? Uh... I feel like you radiate the vision of animal liberation. I think you might not be good at creating it. Creating it, yeah, I don't think. But I'm I think you creating. radiate it extremely well. Yeah, okay, well. so that's that's a good way of saying it. I feel it's like difficult for me to like hmm. bring it, you know, create it, and then 
Yeah, but I am good at radiating it. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, it's like a radio frequency. There's some people who are good at like, you know, absorbing and then like, I'm, I'm yeah, I guess, I guess, and then some people are just really good at radiating. And I guess I am good at radiating, but it's creating. Like, how do I make this happen? Yeah. You know, to me, if, if that is true, I don't even know if that's true about you. I'm not sure you're not good at creating a vision. But if, it's, if it is true of you, I think it's, it's not because you're not an optimistic and ambitious person. Yeah. I thought that you were very optimistic and ambitious from the day I met you. Yeah. Even, even the fact, I still remember, you know, we talked about the last <laughs> podcast. You know what I'm going to say? Yep. <laughs> like we're in this open meeting yep, in I'm the very right. earliest stages of what we're doing at DXE. And we say, all right. We're going to do something that's never been done before. We're going to do a freeze. We're all just going to freeze in place inside of our first store, Louis Vuitton, a fancy store in the Stanford Mall in Palo Alto. Now, who wants to speak on behalf of the entire group? And Priya just shoots her hand up and we've never met you before. We're like, who is this woman? She's like, I'll do it. I want to speak on behalf of everyone. I was just like, this woman is down. You know, yeah. she is down to speak. She wants to speak her oh, truth. Oh, yeah, I, I was And that was ambitious and optimistic. Speak. But I, I think if there's something missing, and this is actually very true of yeah. a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, so this is just good advice if you are, oh, please, if you want to start creating yeah. vision, is you're not good at the details yeah. of the vision. You I know? also like, don't think I'm good at focusing. <laughs> that's probably true, too. Like, it's so, but, I'm, I'm like a dog. I'm so yeah. easily distracted. But, but if you, even if you have like a vague vision that is, is powerful and that draws you to it, if you can't see the concrete steps you need to take yeah. to get there. And if you can't visualize it in a way that feels like a laptop, like a chair, yeah. like something that's almost physical, you know? So like, I, honestly, I think part of the reason I'm able to do that is just I'm blessed with life experiences that, that force me to have that vision because, you know, I've written about this and I just wrote about this, but one of my earliest childhood experiences that deeply affected me was being at a wet market in China and seeing a dog in a cage who looked exactly like mm -hmm. my sister back home. And I call mm -hmm. her my sister because she was. Vivian was not just my dog. She was my most important companion. She was my source of social support. When I came home crying, running from the bus, from bullies who made fun of my slanted eyes and my fat legs, <laughs> every day when I came home, I would collapse in Vivian's arms, roll around on the ground, and she was the most important family member for me. And mm -hmm. I say this loving all my family members. They were all dear to me and they still are all dear to me. I'm going to hang out with my sister and my dad and my cousin today. They're all beloved. Your family's very good. They're amazing family members. But Vivian was the most mm. important one. She was the most important oh. one. And, and when I saw that dog that looked exactly like Vivian, I didn't have a choice. I could not tolerate yeah. a universe where that dog was going to die. And the sad thing is that dog did die. Yeah. But I needed, even as an eight or nine-year-old child, or I don't remember exactly how old I was, I needed to survive psychologically wow. to be able to see a world where Vivian did not die. Yeah. Because she was everything to me. You had to create it. I, had, I, I didn't even create it. It was created for me for by me. necessity. Because yeah. if, I, if I could not see that as a nine-year-old kid... Every time I woke up from my nightmares and I started having nightmares oh my at the age of nine, crying of and waking up getting, screaming oh of dogs God, being killed. I would killed. too. That's horrible. Yeah, I did. And I had a lot of nightmares. And I didn't even really share this with my parents. My mom just thought, this is like a very sensitive kid. And like, um, and my, my face would get all hot. My ears would get hot because I'd be waking up crying and just like anxious and like my adrenaline would be rushing from the nightmare I just had. And so she used to literally bring ice bags and put them up against my ears because really? I was so wow. hot. 
that I would in crying and I, I would like be tossing around and I wouldn't be able to sleep. And I'd say, I'm so hot. My ears are so hot, mom. Aww. So she'd bring ice and cool, my, like literally try and get me to chill. You know, <laughs> like wow. she was trying to chill out, dude. You're not, you know, you're not in China anymore. I'm laughing about it now because it was so long ago. But I just felt like I had, I mean, just for survival, I needed to be able to wake up and imagine myself like rescuing that dog. Yeah. And 30 years later, I did. Yeah. And that's why we have Oliver. And yeah, that's still so amazing that we went, well, you went to China. I felt, feel you like. You did a, too. Kind, kind of. of. Spiritually. <laughs> yep. Honestly, I feel like you were probably spiritually wrecked by that experience as much as I was. Oh, yeah. Maybe more. Yeah, that was really difficult to have to watch all the videos and yeah. And, and Do you want to tell that story about what happened? <laughs> how you told got, it before? What? How well, you, but just about how you found out about what oh, happened. Oh yeah, I think just, I like, did disappear. I think I did like, mention it in the last podcast, but I should mention it. It's, it's a good it's, story. It is wild. Like I was both Almira and I were at, at home, and we didn't, you know, we we hadn't done anything like this before. Like it was yeah, just okay. Bye, you guys. Have a good trip to China, China. and hopefully you'll come back. I don't even think we, yeah, we were, it was just an invest. I don't even know if we knew that you were going to come back with dogs. Like we didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we, it, it had been a while and we just, if been like one, over 24 hours, I think maybe we're going into two days. We had not heard from Wayne, Julianne and, and, um, and Cristobal and we were really worried. So I was like, I don't know what to do. Like I have, I don't even know who to contact. I don't know where they are. Like, I don't even know which city, you know, it, it was just really difficult for me to understand like where to begin to try to find Wayne. And the crew. And this is after we had been investigating dog meat farms yeah. and sending you updates constantly. Yeah, so I knew you know, that we went just radio silent all yeah, of a sudden. Almir, all three of us mm-hmm. just disappeared. Yeah, Almir and I knew that you earth. had been investigating dog meat farms. That's all. Like that's all we knew. And so I was like, okay, well, I know how to get into Wayne's email, so I'm going to do that. And so I got into Wayne's email and I just started looking at any recent conversations, any recent emails, any recent documents. And then I find this like China journal. Yeah. And the last... Because I had been journaling when I was in China. And then it said, I think the last, one of the last journal entries was April 27th, which is my birthday, by the way. And it said, uh, we, we rescued some dogs. Um, we're going back to the, you know, something about going back to the slaughterhouses. Oh, yeah. We also, I, I got, we got caught. Julianne and I got caught and I got beat up by some, um, by some of the farmers. And I lost my glasses and I have some scratches on me. And I think there were some photos. <laughs> Yeah, the wounds on and my face and like, my back. I had what bruises all over me. Fuck! Like, yeah. who do I contact? And I think I found somebody you were in touch with, and I was like pretty aggressive. And I was like, "You need to tell me no right now where where Wayne is. Like, I need to know right Peter. now." Yeah, it was Remember Peter. Peter, Peter Lee, great and, guy. And then he was like, "Don't worry." And he kept said something like, and I was like, "I don't think you understand. Yeah. I need to know where Wayne is right now. Like, yeah. where? Like, where is he?" And then he was like, call immigration. And I was like, okay. So now oh, the I'm, embassy, not immigration. Sorry, the em- embassy. Now I'm on the phone with the embassy. And it was just so bizarre. Yeah. But I did see, you know, one thing that even during that time gave me solace was like, well, there's three dogs that are saved. And I was like, where are these three dogs? Yeah, because we disappeared. What happened yeah. to the dogs? And that if was you wanna, my biggest concern. If you want to know terrified. where the three dogs were and other interesting, very interesting parts of the story, you can go to Medium and uh, read this article called The Dog I Took a Beating For. Yeah. It's the best thing I've ever written. It is. Best thing I ever did in my life, too. So I beautiful. still think rescuing Oliver was the most important thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Oliver, is that right? Oliver? Yeah, he's Oliver? The reason, he's the reason we have this beautiful little boy in our lives. Uh, I shouldn't say I, I did. I mean, Cristobal, Julian. Yeah. I, I will say you were part of this, too. Uh, Peter, yeah, Peter probably definitely did not deserve your anger. Um, no. Peter, for the record, is 
is, you know, he was not involved in the rescue and the investigation, obviously, because this is a very high risk operation. But I will say there are a couple really important people. Um, some of them don't want to be named. Some of them are locals who are still under real risk of government repression and arrest yeah. for what they did. But Peter is, is um, he's a U.S. citizen, but he was born in China. Um, an amazing guy. He mo- works at the Humane Society International. Mm-hmm. Um, and Peter had nothing to gain from helping me and educating me about Yu Ling and the dog meat trade. But most of what I learned about the dog meat trade, I learned from some activists on the ground um, in China. And, and I'd visited China the year before. Um, and nobody knew this at the time. One of the reasons was I was basically planning to right. do... Uh, I was there actually to train activists too. So I, I was there to, to do these trainings for Chinese activists and investigations and rescues. I gave these talks, partly in English, partly in Chinese. Oh, I forgot you went yeah, to China. Yeah, before oh I went to China. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot. Yeah, because yeah, we did had, go there in 2015. No, in 2015, I went to China. Um, I, I gave all these workshops. It was like hundreds of activists. It was, it was kind of an amazing experience because especially since people are always like insulting Chinese people and yes. saying all these awful things about how Chinese people are dog eaters and elephant killers and all the shit. Not realizing that, that that's there's so literally... so many people who care and fight so hard for these poor dogs. And not to they mention love them so much. the vegan food that literally was... I mean, a lot of the vegan food we eat now, like fake yeah, meat shit. substitutes. <laughs> Come on, go, man. Go to a vegan restaurant, I guarantee you, like 90% of that stuff probably is originally from China. Yeah. <laughs> like seitan, tofu, tempeh, all this stuff. China or East Asia. The people yeah. who are making fun of eating dogs... They've actually had a long history of vegetarianism it's that goes good, back yeah. thousands of years. Yeah, and actually, I mean, even Open Rescue, there's these ancient Buddhist texts that I think I've shared with you before. Yes. Where before Open Rescue, I mean, Patty Mark is 100% the person who reinvented Open Rescue in the modern animal rights movement in, I think, 1992 or 1993. I thought it was 1970s. Huh? No, 1970s okay. was with animal liberation. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. In the late 1970s is when PETA was getting started. Mm-hmm. But the first factory farm open rescue occurred, I think, in the early 1990s by Patty Mark, mm-hmm. where like an employee at an egg farm was saying, there are hundreds of animals literally drowning to death on their own feces, you know, on the ground of this factory farm, and no one's doing anything about it. And she just said, let's go. Well, if no one's doing about it, I love let's Patty. go. What an amazing person. Patty is a fucking so legend. Yeah. Oh my God, I love Patty so much. Patty, if you're listening to this, I love you. We love yeah. you so much. Yeah, we love you, Patty. You're one of the reasons I'm going to prison. And I say that with pride, <laughs> not to blame you for it, but yeah, with pride. And she's you're one of the reasons I am willing to go to prison. Because Patty Mark, this, uh, at the time, middle aged, I think mom, I think she was a mom at the yes. time, just loved animals a- so much. That she walked into a factory farm and started taking the animals out and dem- documenting everything she saw. It's beautiful. Um, but anyways, thousands of years ago, Buddhists were writing about this process called life release. Yes, that's you so know, cool. It's called function yeah. in Chinese. And the idea behind it is, and I've even, yeah, I can pull out the actual text of these ancient Buddhist yeah. scriptures yeah. where they say it is your duty, not just you know, your right, but your duty. You have a responsibility as a Buddhist. That when you see an animal who is going to be killed or to die, you have a duty to intervene and stop that. Yeah. And, Isn't that and, amazing? Mm-hmm. Actually, we should go. Oh, too bad I, we haven't gone yet. But since you're coming back, um, we're, we can. when you come back, we'll go to, um, in Santa Cruz, there's this Buddhist monastery. Have you ever been there? No. Oh, my gosh. It's First of all, it's beautiful. And they have. Um, I thought you were going to say Budagate. Uh, no, it's not. It's Budagate's beautiful, too. No, the, this one in Santa Cruz. Um, we, yeah, we just went to it, and it's incredible. Um, one of the things that you see when you first walk in is just this huge uh, bell that you can ring. Mm. And, and then while you're ringing it, you say, um, I don't know the exact term, words, but it's about having compassion for all sentient beings. And just the focus on, like, you know, loving 
uh, or, or having taking action to help um, bring compassion into this world, not just for humans, but for all sentient beings. It's not, it, it's something that, you know, Buddhists have been doing for since the beginning, since the beginning. And, and, and they eat, you know, they were that a temple it's, it, they serve vegan food. They told, and they were, um, my, my partner and I we were walking around talking about DXC, talking about the investigation and they were like, wow, you, you all, they were like literally worshiping us. They were like, wow. And they wow. were, you know, like, oh, do your dogs need water? And you could just tell that this place, you know, not, they welcomed our dogs. They welcomed us because they, they were like, wow, you're facing charges for helping animals. Like they, they were so, they were so, um, you know, just, they treated us with such respect and it's, you could tell that it was, it's something that's in, it's genuine, you know, yeah. it's very it's, much, it's in, deep in, seated. It's very deep seated. And I felt, yeah, I, I love being in, I feel really sad. I can't go to Buddha gate cause it was really one of the most, is it still so close to the public? It's still closed. Cause I really loved going there. It was just, <sighs> that's I a bummer. just I, there's something about Buddhist temples and that those values, just knowing that you're surrounded by like these values that, that for thousands, I mean, for so long, like have existed and continue to exist and will exist just makes me feel really hopeful <laughs> yeah no they're beautiful places yeah we if should you haven't been to a buddhist temple i really encourage everyone to go at least once because there is um and, and buddha gate in the bay area is a great one um sounds like this place in santa cruz is a great one yeah, maybe we, we can even put in the show notes some of these temples but there's something about you know like Everything we are is is driven in part by the environment we're in. Yeah. And you know, the courtroom is a good example. You've got all these people with guns looking at you in a kind of a grim fashion. You have the a judge in black robes that you have to call your honor. And in Buddhist temples, the the culture is one of peace and compassion. You know, and you're right that it's it's cool to even have a physical action you take. You ring the bell and yeah. say what is it you say? Something oh, about all sentient beings. Yeah, may all sentient beings be... May all be, sentient beings be um, free from harm and suffering. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, there are... Actually, you know, the, the DXE mantra for many years was all animals... You know, we want all animals to be safe, happy, and free. That comes yeah, from I Buddhist texts. That. <laughs> yeah, that, there's ancient Buddhist texts that say that. And there, there are ancient Buddhist mantras that say, may all sentient beings be safe, happy, happy and, and free. free. Oh, um, and you're right. And I almost think that we should have we should have dived deeper into that in, yeah. in DXE's narrative and storytelling because you're right, there's something really powerful about knowing, damn, these words I'm saying, may yeah. all living beings, may all animals be safe, happy, and free. These have been repeated by some of the wisest people on the planet Earth for thousands of years. Yeah. Maybe even in the exact same physical spot you're in. Yeah. When you're at one of these temples, like especially ancient temples in China yeah. or in India, like because Buddhism actually comes from India. Even we should though, go to China and India. We will. Well, I can't go to China. I'm deported. Unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have to well, investigate. I'll take you to India and then. Yeah, I'll go to India. I mean, actually, I'm not even sure I'm allowed to India because I'm a felon now. So okay. they might not let me in. Uh, but if I could, unfortunately, no ancient Buddhist temples in the United States that I know of. I mean, it's possible some Buddhists flew over. I'm just kidding. The Buddhists can't fly. Don't believe the Buddhists who say they can fly. They can't. Or actually, believe whatever you want. I mean, as long as they're not trying to hurt anyone, maybe they really did fly and I just didn't see it. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Anyway, so let's not move on from the flying Buddhist to more important things. But, you know, the idea that you're in a temple that for thousands of years, these words have rang true. And when there's a bell, I mean, they literally rang, yeah. you know? 
There's something really powerful about that. Yeah, no, it really is. And actually, this is such a segue, but but one of the things that I've been meaning to do, and since I feel like I'm not the best at creating things, I literally just sit and think about this, and I daydream, and I'm like, wow, wouldn't it be amazing to like gather people and just and sit and you know talk about we'll learn a little bit more about Buddhism and um, even Indian scriptures and and just bring people together around uh, these values that are so simple and yet so true and just you know create a what they call Buddha or what Buddhists call a Sangha and mm-hmm. do walking meditations and learn how to live simply while helping animals and yeah. I just sit and think about this all the time and I'm like yeah I should really do something about that you are doing that well yeah that's well, what the sanctuary initiative is yeah it's a sangha for the world yeah that's it true. really is that's I mean that that is literally I mean I haven't framed it that way because I think you know a lot of people who are not Buddhist might think like oh you know this is religious or something but it's not yeah I mean, it's not there, there are a lot of atheist Buddhists these are just values. it's a way of life it's a way of life it's a philosophy and but even down to the little things, like if you go to the Buddhist temple, I like the simple yeah. vegan food that they eat. Yeah, they do. And I like how, it's not just that I have a preference for it. I just think the, imbo- the way that Buddhists embody the, the world that they want to live in is beautiful. Yeah. And you can feel it. That's why I you love can. being at these temples. No, the, the culture and, and the spirit at a Buddhist temple is, is extraordinary. It's just, it's so warm and peaceful and loving. And, yeah. And so simple too. So simple. Like it's, it's actually... I mean, Buddhist temples often even describe themselves as sanctuaries. Yeah. You know, they're sanctuaries for those who are forlorn, who are yeah. lonely, who've been abandoned by human society. Yeah. And and it's you can feel that vibe of love because yes. all of us have felt abandoned and lost at yeah. points in our lives. And I will say, though, um, there are two fundamental problems of Buddhism that are preventing it from having the impact it should have on the mm-hmm. world. You know what they are? What do you um, think they are? <laughs> I think I might have told you one of them. So, the uh, first they one don't have young me, people. Yeah, but why do they not have young people? So, for me, and you know, there's I, part of me almost thinks I'm glad they they don't do this, but then part of me thinks huh, this is a dying faith and tradition because they're not doing this. They're not creating content that is engaging. There, there's no sense in which, like Buddhism is kind of like the Chinese empire 500 years ago, where they only look to the past and they do not look at what their participants, their parishioners, their audience members need and want, right? And, you know, they're competing with Netflix. They're competing with like, you know, Fortnite mm-hmm. uh, and YouTube and young people, especially young people who've grown up around smartphones and iPads when they're asking themselves, oh, should I spend some time with the Buddhist and form a Sangha or should I watch Netflix? You know, they're choosing Netflix, including Chinese families, like who have been Buddhist for thousands of years, maybe. They're choosing Netflix over the Buddhist Sangha. Not me. Well, not you, but you know, you're <laughs> rare. Um, but the second fundamental flaw is too many Buddhists don't eat garlic. <laughs> I actually think that's a serious flaw. And I... I'm actually not even sure why that is, to be honest. I've never looked into it. Do you know why that is? Well, it's because I think like... Is it because it's a root? Yeah. And you're killing the plant? Well, that... Okay, I I don't know. I know more about the Indian side. Obviously, there's a lot of intersections because like uh, Siddhartha... I mean, 
He was Hindu. Yeah, he was I mean, Hindu. Buddhism is almost a version of Hinduism, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's, it's like it's kind of cool. It's like Chinese and Indian kind of yeah. like you know. Well, it, I mean, originally it was Indian. It was just hundred yeah. percent Indian. Yeah. Chinese people just took it. You yeah, know, we were like, oh, that's cool. We like this philosophy, and they ran with it for like a thousand years. Well, no, that's that, yeah, it's, it's that's awesome. Okay, so in in Ayurveda, um, there's just yeah, it's just certain foods cause inflammation mm-hmm. and are too hot, and I think garlic and yeah, onions, onions, like they're too inflammatory too for your body. Yeah. So um. I will I say that. that's kind of true for me because no, I garlic. can't no, handle garlic. No, 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 We're going to well, fight about It's because this. we're different. Maybe. You see, like my bi- microbiome body. is different than yours. Yeah. No, I think garlic I is cannot. the best thing well, You're just more European than I am. I so. <laughs> Maybe I'm the Caucasian. <laughs> yeah, you're more European. So for the longest you time, Wayne used to tell me that... are now apparently Caucasian. For the longest time, Wayne used to tell me that Indian people are Caucasian. They are from Caucasian. from the Caucasus. No, literally, if you look up the, the, the anthropological <laughs> definition of Caucasian, it includes people from the South Asian <laughs> subcontinent. It's it's not you know it's not a good or bad thing. It's yeah, just, yeah. It just is it's, a it thing. Is true. It's a fact. It is true. So apparently, well, I'm from North India, and I do think that there like I do think that there's some European, yeah, stuff. But like, if you're South Asian and you're darker, then you're it's more likely you're, you have a African ancestry. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> well, that was a long segue from the slaughterhouse, but. Yeah, I mean, I think the Buddhist masters from 1,500 years ago would You know what you didn't finish? You didn't finish your sentence about um, the Jason podcast Hanks? with Ezra Klein about the multiverse or something oh, like that. Oh, shit, yeah. Because no. people are going to be like, wait, what I want to know. <laughs> wait, wait, what do I have to say? I don't even remember what I said. Well, it was some podcast Ezra Klein did with some physicists or something. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the physicist is basically just talking about how there's a potentially infinite number of universes. Oh, yeah, talks okay. about the physics behind that. And it's... I, I don't think it's Brian Greene. I would know if it was Brian Greene. I forget the name of the physicist, but it's a great podcast, and it's mm-hmm. kind of mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool to think about. But Yeah, it is cool to think about. And, and the reason I think they, they believe this is because when you when you look at the world, especially at the, at the smallest scale, yeah. you see like these particles flipping yeah. in and out of existence, yeah. and it's unclear where they're going. Yep. And I think part of what they're thinking is is that is it possible these particles, like dark energy particles, or like or dark matter particles? I think it is. I could be wrong about this. I know so little about physics. Yeah. You know what? Who cares if it's true? It's fun to think about. Yeah, well, the, the, so, but they, I think they think dark matter actually flips in and out of our universe. Yeah, the double slit. Have you heard of the double split experiment? I can't explain it, but you should yeah. go, you should go look it up. The it's double split, split experiment. Yeah, huh. the double slit or split. Or oh split. yeah, yeah. This is uh, Richard Feynman's experiment, yeah. right? This is where there's like a particle going through like a, a hole. Yeah. And then somehow it's in two places at the same time. Somehow. Yep. Yeah. And you then know? I think something about like yeah. waves and particles and when you observe them, it's, yeah, it's bizarre. I wish I could be better at explaining things. Yeah. The double slit experiment is, is fascinating. It's one of the, and it's something that again, at the micro scale, it's like, it appears to be the case that particles can be in two places at the same yeah. time, which doesn't make any sense until you start thinking about the world as like a multiverse Yeah, where there can be like multiple versions of reality that are like flipping in and out of existence, Yeah, even in the same place. I think the double slit experiment is also just about, and this, this is a weird, and again, like we're not physicists, but it's yeah. still fun to speculate. It is fun. I love <laughs> I think the double slit experiment is also about the fact that all of us are actually waves. Yeah. We're not matter. Yeah. Have you heard this before? Oh yeah. I, I actually believe that this. you're not, you're not actually just you. Yeah. You're like part of a distribution of you. So yeah. like there's, and I'm only able, you're only able to perceive me because your brain and eyes yeah. are, are able to like 
are for, are literally making an image that yeah, you see yeah. as Priya. No, that's true. That's kind of mind-blowing, too. It's like, you're not actually Priya. You're just my fabrication of Priya in my Our brain. Our brain is literally a filtration yeah, mechanism. I was talking about this. This is, yeah, perception. When she was talking about perception a couple of days when ago. You, when we were at a- Amy's, I yeah, was talking about when you, this. When you yeah, really it's, look it's at crazy. perception, it's wild. Like, yeah, yeah I, I'll just be sitting there with my mind blown. I shouldn't say crazy. Yeah. There's a little cast in my head. Yes. Like, Hitting me on the head saying, don't say crazy, yeah. Wayne. Yeah. So I shouldn't say crazy. Wild, um, bizarre, absurd. Yeah, bizarre, absurd. Um, because it's, you know, there are people who actually have mental health issues and we shouldn't, you know, denigrate mm-hmm. them. And yeah, I'm not absolutely. trying to be like excessively woke, but I do think it's like, if you can be nice to people, why not be nice to people? And people with mental health issues should not be denigrated just because they have mental health mm-hmm. issues. So, mm-hmm. so for all of you who hate me for being woke, sorry. Mm-hmm. But I think we should try and be kind. Um. Yeah, no, but the double slit experiment, it suggests that all of us are like waves. Yeah. We're not actually particles. And in the sense that, so, I mean, what's, what's a good metaphor for this? So like a wave versus a particle. In the way like light, like light radiates out and it's, it's not just going out in one direction. It's not like a line where yeah. it's just going in one path. It's going light out. goes everywhere in like a wave pattern, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, it spreads everywhere from the source. And every point of our existence is like that initial source of light that then distributes into the multiverse like a wave. Yeah. You know, That's just so like, cool. it, and it all comes from the original, like, so every point in our existence, like there's a version of me that's here sitting talking to you. Yeah. There's, and that's one part of the wave. Yeah. Another version is me sitting here talking, or not sitting, my, me be here talking to you, but I'm standing. Another version is me here talking to you, but I'm jumping up and down. Yeah. Another is me here talking to you, but I'm juggling. And another version, and it's like all these different versions of me are splitting out into the future of the multiverse in this wave pattern. You know and, what's interesting? My experience of the world is just one like little yeah. tiny segment of that wave. And and it's it's ridiculous. It but is. It, apparently, there's a lot of evidence this is true. Yeah, it's, and it's scary, kind of. Yeah, and honestly, a lot of old Indian scriptures say the same exact thing. So Do it's they? kind. Wow. Yeah, the Vedanta, like it, huh. it all, it all. Like says, these are Hindu scriptures. Yeah, they they yeah. all say they. It's been it's been said. Yeah. You know, in different ways. And now physicists are like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Science is actually proving that, you know, a lot of the stuff that old, not just Indian scriptures, but also like Buddhists. Huh. But to me, why it's relevant is because, like I said, you know, we, we I really do think like we, we think we're stuck in this like reality, but there's so much more we can access with our minds. And I, I do think like, <laughs> I know it's kind of delusional, but I'm an activist. I can be a little de- delusional. We can, we can like truly you know, if we have this vision of a, of a more beautiful world, I think creating it is kind of like shifting like into a different reality, isn't it? Yeah. So you're controlling the wave. Yeah. Like <laughs> and that surfing. makes me feel so powerful. Instead of being controlled by the wave, you control yeah. the wave. You ride that wave. I like how you explained it, Wayne. You're so smart. This is why. Wayne can explain very, very like... I, I've been reading about this stuff for years and I could not say what he just said. Like, Hopefully you all understood that. Y'all can give me feedback. No, you did a, right back, you did a right good back job. Write back and let me know if you understood that because I don't know if I explained it. I think it well, I've read I like I two did. books on the double. Yeah, yeah, I can't explain it. Yeah, I but. used to be kind of obsessed with physics. It is um, so intriguing. It is intriguing. I, I thought, I, I mean, I kind of wanted to do everything in my life. Yeah, I mean, one of the, I mean, this is kind of a stupid reason to be sad that your life's mission is animal rights. But there are times, and I'm, I'm going to be a little selfish and self-involved, uh, but there are definitely times in my life where I think, God damn it, I wish people didn't hurt animals. I know. I could... then I could do so many interesting things in my life that I want to do. Yeah. But, but then I think, you know what? But it, it's kind of like what I said about being at the slaughterhouse and visualizing a world where pigs are free. It's like, on the other hand, 
what could be a better life and more fulfilling yeah. life than trying to save animals that are being tortured, yeah. including human beings? Yeah. You know, I, I feel like we're literally part of, and I, I, I really do mean literally. I'm not saying that as, you know, some people say literally when they're just trying to exaggerate and mm -hmm. say like not literally, but I mean literally we are part of the greatest liberation movement in history in terms yeah. of the number of beings that will be liberated yeah. and the degree of suffering in their captivity. Like what we're doing here is saving the future of all living beings, you know, and that's, that's amazing. Why wouldn't yeah. you want to be a part of that story? Why wouldn't but you? you have to, you have to really make it concrete. You've got to be able to see it and feel it. And, and that's the beauty of open rescue. When you take these animals out, you realize, holy shit, like Lily. I mean, yesterday we were talking to someone who's close to both of us about Lily and Lizzie. Um, and you know, I mean, I think he was, he was sad and concerned about my future yeah. And, and the fact that I might be incarcerated, but he kept telling me when we started this call, you know, just remember Lily and Lizzie running around in the that field. That is beautiful. Like, and no matter how many days how you're sitting in prison, just remember, and, and you'll realize it's worth it. And he said, it's worth it for me too. I join you. <laughs> like, if I think about that enough, I'm going to come out and join you. I'll ask my family members to come out and join you. And there's something so beautiful about that. Yeah, I think we're so lucky. We, I mean, I feel really lucky to have been, you know, to have experienced everything we've experienced and to be able to help rescue animals because of what you just said. We're doing something that very few people do with their lives. Yeah. So while I might not have a lot of money and like the life trajectory about, that most people want. What about want, Elon? I thought you were Elon. Yep. I, I thought guess, you, were, you were the richest person a, in the animal rights I guess movement. in a different reality, <laughs> sure. But... Um, the yeah. richest person in the animal rights movement means Priya has like $500 in a so bank account. so much money. <laughs> I you actually have, have way more money than that. $500? Oh, my I, God. I have so kidding. much more money. I'm, just <laughs> I'm joking. I don't have that much money, but I do have a little more than that. Um, yeah, I feel really lucky because I just feel like, you know, most people, if you look at their lives, they might have, you know, nice house, a nice family. I don't know if they get to experience what we've experienced. Yeah, and like this, I don't know if, I think they think they might wonder about it, but I just don't. And maybe they, maybe like if what you, you know, what you don't know can't hurt you. But I just think like very few people get to experience, you know, like talking to people and saying like, I've been inside of a slaughterhouse and a factory farm and have conversations with people. Do you know how much more credible that makes you when you yeah. tell people like, I have been inside of those places and nothing good happens there. I think you should stop eating animals. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that will have an effect on people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't remember who wrote this and hopefully it's not someone who's messed up. I'm like, I'm not associating with somebody who's super, We're but who all cares? Messed up, We're all Wayne. messed up. So, even, you know, it doesn't matter. You can get truth from anyone, even if it's Donald Trump. It you doesn't know, matter. Even if Donald Trump wrote this, you know, I think that's this, kind of messed up. Like, merit. no, if it is. Donald Trump some, did something good, something people right. no, will just be no, like, that's not good. It's like, no, no Donald he, Trump did he something wrote good. something beautiful, we should acknowledge yeah. it's beautiful. Uh, I don't remember where I read this or heard this, right. but th this is a lot of tr there's a lot of truth to this. And I'm not going to get the exact quote right, yeah. but it's something along the lines of... Um, Let's look it up. Pleasurable things will make you content, but only hard things can make you truly happy. Mm -hmm. Ooh. You know, so we seek pleasure and comfort so much in our life and it might make you content in this weird kind of like satiety way like in the way after you eat like a really junk food meal you know like a bunch of pizza and mm -hmm. greasy shit you know you eat it and you think like 
oh, this is so good. I feel so good. Mm -hmm. It's so delicious. And then afterwards you feel sick and you, and your body is weighed down by it. And, you know, and you realize, oh, why did I do that? Uh, but it felt really good in the short term, right? But it's a hard thing. It's like going to Orange Theory and working out. You know, it's hard in the short term. It's, it's really hard, right? You've been doing this. How many times have you gone now? Uh, Half a dozen maybe in total? Yeah. I mean, I've taken you twice, I think, right? Yeah, twice? I've gone like six or seven times. Yeah. Not that much. I'm going to try to go every... Yeah, but you go to Orange Theory <laughs> and you do this high intensity interval training. I can't find the quote. And it's, I, I didn't get it correct the way okay. it was originally written. Although I like the way I put it too. Yeah, I like the way you put it. Um, like the pleasurable things may make you feel content but only hard things can bring you true happiness, you know? And, and that's true of like just even our physical bodies. But I think it's even more true of just our lives. That yeah. So many people just stay on the same path that's so safe and comfortable and think like, all right, this is what's going to make my life meaningful. And this is what's going to make me happy. And I got news for you folks. Like most of the people I know who take those paths, not only at the end of their life, certainly at the end of their life, but even during their lives, they don't know what it, means to feel truly happy the way we do no. and yeah, the agree. way you felt when you when you saw birdie right wow that was that was a that, hard thing to go was, through uh, honestly i i don't yeah i just feel like i i don't want to share this but i think i i think i told my partner i was like i don't know if, if we don't find him i don't know if i can survive this like wow. i like wayne knows this is like my biggest nightmare yeah. come yeah. to life and yeah, I think if it happened to Oliver, it would, you know, I no, hate saying this. Us. I think it would be worse because he is just so much more scared. And yeah. now I am scared. I am a little bit more scared. But that was, wow. a, but honestly, after experiencing, you know what? After experiencing what we experienced looking for Birdie, even that, like I learned there's a science to this. Yeah. Like, and I feel a lot more confident. I was like, okay, this is not that hard. Yeah. I kind of figured it out, you know, like we... Can you just explain to me what happened to Bertie? Oh yeah, so basically, it's, it's Bertie. Bert, it's or Bert, Bertie. It's Bert. It's Bertie. But first of all, he has like seventeen different names. But we do say <laughs> we do say it more like Bertie. Bertie, um, even though it's spelled yeah. Bertie with a T. Yeah. But you pronounce it Bertie. Yeah, all and right, um cool. and Scotty, uh, the person who rescued him, and I believe Anna also named named um, him Bertie. Bertie. Uh, so basically, um. Uh, my partner, Daisy, was walking on campus with two of our roommates' dogs and then two of our dogs and just walking around. Um, this is Beasley and Bertie and... Uh, Yarvar and Munez. Yarvar and Munez. Yeah. They were just walking around and I think they had just come out from this, like, by the campus, this Indian restaurant. They had given uh, them potatoes so that Aww. they could feed them. That was so nice. The Indian, the Indian restaurant, restaurant gave, they gave the dogs potatoes. Yeah, they were so happy. And Bertie loves potatoes. Yeah, Bertie <laughs> loves potatoes. So, you know, they were like... I saw Bertie going for potato chips a couple of days ago. And she, yeah. Or he. he yeah, right? he, loves he loves any potatoes. any potatoes. So, yeah, it's so nice. This Indian restaurant, they were like, we love your dogs, gave uh -huh. them potatoes. And campus is UC Berkeley. Yeah, right yeah. by UC... Ber yeah, like right next to UC Berkeley uh, campus. And, you know, um, basically what happened was um, somebody was calling like down the street, like, hey, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. And Daisy just kind of ignored it. Like, I don't have yeah. time to talk to you. I got four I dogs. Four dogs. Sure. <laughs> and so uh, this person just kept getting closer and closer. And then uh, I think at some point they forgot and then he'd caught, caught up or something. And then they... Daisy forgot there was someone behind them? Yeah, because they okay. were like, I don't even know if this person's talking to me. I don't, I've never seen this person before. I don't know what's going on. And uh, yeah, they just came up behind them, pushed them. And um, sadly, Daisy fell. And uh, they actually lost control of 
three leashes but they were able to get two of them but birdie being more traumatized just bolted he was like hell no and i we know this because oliver would have done the same thing i mean he was so scared has done the same thing yeah He's, he's bolted before. Yeah, he's bolted before. And I mean, thank smaller good. Smaller things than that even. Yeah, yeah. like a, a leash dropping. But like mm-hmm. somebody screaming and trying to literally saying, trying I'm going to kill you. you. I'm going to kill you. We don't know what, like, I think now that we think about it more, we think this person might have been looking for somebody else. Mm-hmm. We don't know. But um, anyway, so like they, I. There was a case of mistaken identity. Daisy actually called me. Yeah. Priya, this person's trying to kill me. I could hear her. I could hear this interaction. Like the, the, the person screaming. Yeah. And then Daisy wow. was crying. I, I don't know where Birdie is. Come come find him. I don't know where Birdie is. And oh I'm already God. like losing Jesus. my mind. And I'm like, how am I going to drive? So I show up there and the police is over there and they're asking uh, questions. They're asking my partner questions, and we're just like, "Where the hell are we gonna find Birdie?" So we spent the entire night looking for Birdie, and we could, didn't find him. And um, so the next day, we said, "All right, we got to tell everybody." So what, wait, what? And you, what were the police there for? Uh, the police uh, were there just because Daisy was assaulted. Yeah, okay. and they, I think they had heard some other reports about of this guy and like assaulting other people. Yeah, I yeah, think like wow. say, saying some like absurd things. So I actually got really mad at the police officer because what he told me when I got there, he said. He, well, first of all, he told my partner, control your girlfriend. She's screaming. I can't talk to you. And I was like, because I was upset. I was like, I don't understand why we're not looking for Birdie. Like, yeah. let's go. Time yeah, is of the essence. Why are sitting here talking? And, yeah. this, you know, and then this police officer is like, a human was just uh, almost killed. And you're worried about a dog? And I, I, I think I was like, wow. I was like, I don't give a fuck. I want to find my dog and you better help me. Like, I said something like that. And this police officer looked at me like, whoa. I, I was just like, I can't believe he just said just that said to that. me. Wow. And uh, yeah, I was, it was really intense. So anyway, we looked for him all night and we were exhausted. So we had yeah. to go to bed and going to bed that night was really, really. So this is just like on like the streets of Berkeley? Yeah. Where was this? But it's in Lecom- like Northeast Berkeley. Yep. So there is like a stadium and then hills yeah. that are kind of more wild. Yeah. So he was actually close, yeah, close to the stadium and the hills where the, the wilderness okay. is. So, yeah. so there's like so we looked, areas. we looked like in most of that area, but we said we have to come back and we need help. Like I'm, I can't yeah. do this. And honestly, like one of the things was I didn't want to tell people. And sometimes yeah. like the self-preservation instinct is so. Yeah. Because yeah. you're I, embarrassed that you lost your And dog. then I was like, what do I care about what people think, think of you? me? I yeah. don't care. I want to find like, and yeah. so I just told everybody, I said, we need help. And you know, I don't care what you think of me. Yeah. This, this happened. Like <laughs> it sucks. It's horrible. So yeah, we told everybody they came out. Can I ask and, you a question? What happened yeah. to the guy who assaulted Daisy? Uh, he ran away. Cause Daisy, uh, was, uh, you know, called me and said like, I'm going to call the cops. I'm going to call the cops. And this guy just ran away. Wow. Um, I yeah. Feel bad. I mean, maybe I, sh- I know I don't want to offend you, but I feel bad for the guy too. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't... I'm sure like, he's a broken person. I feel anger that, like, sure, what he did he to Birdie, and, and what he, first what he did to Birdie, but also what he did to my partner. But I also feel like, wow, you know, yeah. that what, 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 I don't... What has happened to our society that people in that He was state, a student. I'm pretty sure he was a Cal student. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. You think he was just going through a mental health breakdown or Maybe. something? Maybe. <laughs> but when I looked at the photos, Daisy happen to take really he had a backpack on and he was like he looked like he was a student and oh my god that's like whoa i mean not that it makes it any it doesn't make it it doesn't make it any worse or better if it were like a homeless person yeah you're right it could have been a homeless student too because there are a lot of homeless yeah that's true yeah Yeah. but you know you're right like i do feel bad for this person too like how disconnected do you have to be to like just attack a random person attack a random person you know Because I'm sure they have no one in their lives, you know? Yeah, like, I don't know what triggered... I would love to know who this person is and why, like... And talk to them. 
why would you, you know, like, do you know what you did? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So the so, next, anyways, I interrupted. No, so no, complete go ahead. the story. You know, you, 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 you post on social media and say like, I need help. Okay. You know, I'm not, I'm, it wasn't I'm embarrassed. me. I wasn't on next door, but Birdie's best friend who we walk cause we're dog walkers. We walk every day. Her, her mom, Olive, was so horrified when she heard this. She said, Priya, I'm dropping my work and I'm coming. Oh, but before wow. that, I'm going to post on Nextdoor. And she posted on Nextdoor. And five minutes later, somebody said, we saw that dog. Wow. Uh, and so after 12 hours, we got our first tip. And I was so happy. And I think subconsciously, I knew we were going to find him oh, right then. Because yeah. it was so close. Okay, so yeah, so she said, Priya, did you see that comment? Somebody saw him at 8.30 this morning chasing deers, and, and we went up there, and chasing we Chasing deer? Yeah. Really? But yeah. he was chasing deer? <laughs> yeah. So he's like having the time of his life in the forest yeah. chasing deer yeah. while you're all freaking out. Yeah. And God so, damn it, Brody. And so what that... I'm just kidding. I'm sure he... I doubt he was actually chasing deer. Do you think he was chasing deer? No, I, I think, think so. he was probably he, scared. He does that. He does that. But he was probably terrified. He, he was, was terrified. chasing deer out of fear. No. I think so. I yeah. think he was chasing deer out of fear. Because knowing Brody, I mean, Brody's a very neurotic dog no I mean, he's, he's scared of everything he's scared of everything yeah. not yeah. as bad as oliver not I mean, as bad oliver, as oliver is worse but not yeah. worse i mean oliver has more trauma but. yeah so um so when <laughs> so i got that like next door that bird, we saw him chasing. and so we is went that literally what they said yeah they said we saw him chasing yes. deer yes oh, and they described hilarious. his they, they instead of red harness they said red leash and i was uh -huh. like that's him like that's it has harness. to be him yeah so we went to that location uh my partner daisy and i we went to that location and the guy who posted that comment was right there looking really? for him yes and wow. so I was like, okay. And I was like, so you saw him right here. You saw this dog. And he was like, yeah, we saw him right there. He went into the woods. Wow. Into so, the woods. Yeah. So we started searching for him. And That's so th scary though, because there's like coyotes in the I know. Woods. And so I was like. Like and Birdie's a small dog. And so a I was like, beagle. so what I thought my assessment was if he stuck here the entire night and beagles are very good at hiding. Yeah, they are good at hiding. He is, he's okay. He's like, okay. And I, and I could feel it. Like, you I could, could feel, feel like, every time... It's so funny. This is the same location we found him. And for some reason, I kept telling Daisy. I was like, let's go. I think we got to go back here. Even before we got this tip, I was like, I think we got to go here. So it's like, you know, I just felt his presence, but I didn't... You know, I, I could just feel... I could feel something. And, yeah, so that, that tip was like, oh, we saw him an hour or two hours ago. And then the tip... Like, we kept postering, and then we would get more tips. So I knew what we had to do. I was like, we got to keep postering. Yeah. And and so we had this chat where it honestly kind of reminded me of like leading open rescue in some <laughs> weird way. And I was like, this is kind of fun. This is I like kept an open rescue. And I was like kind of annoyed that nobody's taking lead. And I was yeah, like, okay, I think I, got I, got, I, think I was like, I, I was like, I think I got to do it. Because I was like, can somebody make these calls? I'm not good at maps. I don't yeah. know what to do. But I was like, okay, I just got to do it. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, okay, I think... I think like you guys should just put up posters because in the long term that's helping more. Yep, so we got to we'll get more posters because yeah. that's resulting in more tips, right? And then a few people just got have to stay in this area. And sure, like sure enough, we got more tips the more posters we put up. And I, wow. at some point I was getting calls and texts like we just saw your dog. We just saw your... Well, first I was getting tips like we just saw your dog 30 minutes ago. And then some lady said, I saw him sitting on a lawn like it was almost like he was going his, making his way up to animal house but he was still wow. stick, he still stuck to one side, side of the, of the street. he was yeah. always on one side like always on the animal uh, house is where you used to live so he yeah. was trying to go back home basically yeah. Yeah, so that's dangerous. That's a lot of streets. It is so for a beagle to me and not close. But it wasn't too far from where okay. we were. So that's good. So then I was like this is weird like uh, I guess somebody should be driving up there yeah, so we I sent see. somebody to go do that. And then um so then I just started getting calls 
saying it was just closer and closer. We just saw him. We saw him two minutes ago and then we went by the stadium and then somebody's like, he just ran down here and I was like, really? everybody has seen him except wow. for me. And yeah, everybody's like, what is it? Everybody's seen this dog. Yeah. <laughs> like it's wow. And they're like, he's he's over there. We just saw him. And wait, nobody wait, literally, can... you're just walking down the street and yeah. you, you're just showing people, people the poster? Yeah. And then someone said, I just saw him uh, so, before well, you found him? Somebody did that with Alex. Some, ho- okay. some houseless person, bless his soul, said like, I just saw your dog. But wow. other people just would look at me and they were like we just saw your dog because i was wearing the orange scarf that i had in yeah. the poster Interesting. so they recognized me and they yeah. also saw that i was yelling for birdie and they're like we yeah. just saw your dog and so um yeah and then i i'm not good with maps and stuff so i didn't know where i was going and i just asked this person the student i was like can you come with me and she missed her class wow. just to help me find help birdie find just a random person too and she was like this is where you have to go wow. and so we kind of so beautiful and so somebody was, so the last place that he was seen was the Hearst parking lot. And then it, it became dead silent after that. And so I was like, I think he's hiding again, Yeah. which did turn out to be right. And so what I told, I, what I told people was, I think Daisy needs to stay here while I go look because one person should be where, you know, like we've gotten two reports, so we should stay here. And I'm so glad looking back, I was like, my calls were pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Because you triangulated and figured out where Birdie was. Yeah. All the reports. Yeah. And so then. And so then we kind of were like, okay, let's go go get food or something. But Daisy will stay here because, you know, we know he's going to come to one of us. And we were all about to like part ways for a little bit. You know, Kathy was going to get food. I was going to go look in the parking lot. And then Daisy says, that's his bark. And then they bolted. And sure enough, he came down the ravine where he was uh, reported Hiding. to have wow. looking for deer and he was wet. So he had access to water uh, Yeah, so he and he's smart. The ravine, yeah. He was by the water mm-hmm. and he was in a hidden location wow. in the woods. And, and, he, and he was barking because he heard your voice or something. Oh, 100%. I think yeah. he heard Daisy. Like he, he had heard Daisy and he, it was like that bark was designed. Cause I, yeah. I remember I didn't really hear it. Kathy didn't hear it, but the moment Daisy heard it, they knew that like, it was almost the way they ran. Like they knew that yeah. they're, we were going to find darted. him. Yeah. And so then they were like, we found him. <laughs> and then the video footage you shot is just you running, following Daisy. Yeah. And you could hear like, yeah, you're freaking it's out. It's almost embarrassing. Like it is I, all embarrassing, but it's beautiful. Like too. my cry, like I'm like cry laughing and it's like stupid. It's yeah. so like, but yeah, it was, it was, I mean, yeah, it was, it was so beautiful to, to find, to yeah. have found him. But there's, it's, it shows there's no greater joy than caring for the people you love. And, and especially when it's hard. Yeah. You know, when when you do something hard and you bring joy to someone you love. Yeah. You know, it's worth anything, more than anything in the world. And he's already These are experiences you remember for the rest of your life. You know, you know we lost Lao in China. And I thought about that and yeah. I, I was like, they found Lao. My friend Shiva, she has so many birds. We found a bird. Right, wow, flying around. Flying around by putting up posters. So I knew, I was like, we have, have to, to put up posters. It. So yeah, if amazing. you need tips on how to find your dog, I swear to God, I think I could, I could, <laughs> I think I could pretty much guarantee that you, that you'll find them. You should write a blog about this. I should. I start should a blog. write a blog. You should try to, you should start a poetry blog. Oh do yeah. Poetry. I know. I start should. Start a sub Dean <laughs> has should. a sub stack. I've got a sub stack. That's part of what we're trying to do with the sanctuary. Nation. Yeah. Great. Create more beautiful content. Yeah, and then we lost Lau, one of the three dogs we was, saved in Yiling. And it was a similar experience. I won't tell the entire story. Maybe on another podcast. I'll have Julianne on sometime. Yeah, we should Julianne have Julianne. Julianne's have, an amazing speaker. Ju- Julianne awesome. is an amazing speaker. I'll have her on the podcast sometime and tell that story. But Julianne was in a similar state. I mean, I think she even said, like, I, I was thinking about killing myself. Because oh, was... she was the one who was holding Lau. We had, you know, just gone through so much to save this poor dog's life. And then, you know, because they're all neurotic and terrified from all the violence they've seen, he bolted one time because of some sound and ran off into the night in, in a city of like 8 million people who eat dogs, 
he's obviously a dog meat dog because he's of wow. that breed. And like we, we just had no hope. And Julianne was like destitute. And I think she said even at the time, you know, should I just kill myself? And I was like, oh, are you no. fucking kidding me? No. Like, I mean, I, would, I was honestly, I was not my best self. I was a little angry at her. Like, and I'm, I'm just in the same way. I think you told me you were angry at Daisy. I was right? so angry. And I yeah, I was really angry bad. at her too. I, I felt, I felt so bad, bad about it too because it wasn't her fault. She obviously wasn't trying to lose Lau. Lau was this neurotic dog. Um, but yeah, similar experience when we found him just cowering in, a, in some bushes. And it's weird because I think with Daisy, with 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 Birdie and Lau, I think Lau, he didn't even go that far. Yeah, they didn't. He, he I think he wanted to be found. He no, knew we loved him. I, even after two days, he'd only been with us for two days, I think, at that point. Yeah. And after seeing so many human beings kill so many dogs, he knew these human beings are different. Yeah. And they want to care for me. They no, don't want to kill me. Yeah, when I saw Birdie, you could tell that it wasn't just he was that he so was aloof happy. and like yeah. he he was delighted to he, see. He and I think like something happened to him with that experience because he he was always a little sad when Daisy left him, but now he's like, I don't want anything bad to happen to you because he saw mm. that Daisy got attacked, got attacked. and I oh, think he's protective and he yeah he's definitely wow. a little bit more like I really don't want and it's fun like think about all the complex thoughts that are going through Jay their said, head yeah. and you know. Poor little birdie in his little yeah. mind. The calculation he made was, I better get away. Yeah. And, and he's scared. And he was and so he's scared. so little. What is he's he going to do? Yeah, he was scared. Well, this dog After ran around Berkeley with a leash on and <laughs> managed to not get caught by yeah. anybody. Somebody's like, your dog is really fast. We tried to catch the leash, but we couldn't. Yeah. No, he is. I mean, I've seen it. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't run from me anymore, but he still doesn't really like it when I touch him. Yeah, he will once you give him enough potatoes. I, I need to give him more potatoes. <laughs> I need to go to the bathroom. All right, go to the bathroom. We'll come back. I'm going to get some more a latte. We're having a delicious vanilla latte that Priya bought from Whole Foods yesterday. And I'm all out, so I'm going to get some more latte. Stay tuned for more, folks. We're back. We're back. Newly refueled with lattes and potato chips. Living the birdie life. Potato. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's funny because <laughs> the story has basically taken over the entire podcast. Which is great because it, it's actually what I want to talk about, you know, which is just why are we doing what we do? You know, why, why is it that this trial doesn't scare me? Because like when you knew Birdie was lost and scared in that forest, you know, was going to get eaten by a Cody or run over by a car or just starve to death. Like you're at the point where you do anything. And, and because you're willing to bear that hardship, you know, you saved him. And, and that feeling, and again, just go watch the video. Just we'll share it in the show notes. But you watch the video of like pretty screaming when you see Birdie and you realize you're reunited. That's a feeling of joy you'll never forget. And it's the same feeling I had um, when we, we found Lau after he was lost on the streets of Ealing. It's the same feeling when we got home with Oliver. Yeah. Um, same feeling when I brought Oliver home the first day. And back then he wasn't Oliver. He was Xiao Xiao. Yeah, Xiao Xiao. Same um, feeling we had when we rescued animals despite the many, yeah. you know, despite the many circumstances that... <laughs> you know would stop a lot of people and yeah. we did we did actually talk about that we did talk about how we you know the, the whole group that was doing the rescue that wow there's such you know sense of urgency to the point where we had one of our clients coming out and looking yeah. with us and when he there's another video of him being reunited with olive mm. that's even more powerful really? because all he loves the dog olive. oh they love each other like that's he he loves her so much and like you know his mom was crying and we're all just really? i mean this brought so many people together from different so walks of life all his mom your client was crying when yeah. she saw them reunited wow yeah and and it yeah, brought because it probably she thought about losing olive 
Yeah. And how that would make her feel. Oh, and she's, right? she, she's, yeah, she's. I could tell, girl. even the short clip you showed me. I mean, yeah. she obviously really loves Olive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did see it in there. I did see her. I see her, and I'd never seen her before, so. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can attest to the fact that this is not someone I know. Yeah. So it's not someone who's, yeah. you know, like deep in the animal rights world or something. Yeah. It's well, just she, who's, she yeah. definitely loves, you know, her she dog. And, dog. and, and, I just think about like, wow, it wouldn't it be amazing if we could create the sense of urgency for the millions of animals that are being killed, where you have people on campus and you have people in your, you know, in, yeah, in your life. We're all coming together to, to help, help, an help animal. this animal. Human just, or non-human, you know, including mm-hmm. human beings. There are human beings suffering like this too. And I, and I know people would do that. Like if, if they would. say there was like a pig, I was thinking about this, if there was like a pig farm right by UC Berkeley. Yeah, and there was some and, pig that was and, lost and, and mm-hmm. starving to death, like the piglet who escaped the farm. And yeah, people would do the same. adopted them and then was running around in the forest and alone and scared, this poor baby pig. People would do the same. They would. And I mean, this is the power of open rescue. And it's like that same feeling you had um, when you found Birdie was a feeling we had when we took May out, you yeah. know, that first hen that we rescued. Yeah. Openly, at least from, and even my mom, she was like, farms. "Can you? All your friends need to come over who helped you. I want to make them dinner, and I love, yeah. I love you, Birdie. Like, she doesn't know Birdie that well, but like, yeah, but she knew but how she powerful knew. this was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, what a friend yesterday said is just very true. Yeah. That seeing these animals who've gone through so much, who've known nothing but suffering, or in Birdie's case, who's known a lot of suffering, but then knew what it was like to be in a, a family that loved him um, and then lost that just even for one day, even for one day losing that is yeah. too hard. But when some of these animals and, and all these animals, one of the, the, the most terrifying things about what we do to animals is we take in the animals that most need love and we give them hate and violence and cruelty because these animals, I mean, I've, I've said this on the podcast before, there are two things that are essential about every domesticated animal. One is they're highly social animals which means they'll comply with the rules of some hierarchy or some social group and rather than fight. Like if you try and domesticate a wolverine, good luck with that. I mean, they'll rip you to pieces. You know, it's, it's the animals that work in packs and that cooperate with other individuals um, and are social. Those are the ones we cage because we know in some creepy, twisted way, they think, I guess this is my place. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is where the boss wants me. That's right? And so we took sad. advantage of, of that willingness to cooperate by putting them in cages. That's horrible. Um, but the other thing about all these animals is it's not just the social animals. It's the gentle ones. Yeah, the docile right? we, ones. We, we, have, we have tortured the most gentle beings on this earth mm-hmm. by virtue of their gentleness. You know, like uh, an Asian jungle fowl is a dangerous animal. You don't want to fuck with one of those roosters. <laughs> they will mess you up, you know. And even like the heritage breeds of chickens, like a, you know, a Cornish cross rooster, they're sweet babies, you know. Like our, our turkey, like a, a male, yeah. a male turkeys can be mean to each other, but male turkeys on a farm, a farm sanctuary, are just beautiful, just yeah. gentle little creatures that just, they, they, they chirp at you and they sit in your lap and they beg Aww. you for belly rubs and treats. And the same thing, you know, Lily and Lizzie are now 600 pound animals that if they wanted to, they could literally just physically crush me. They're four times my size. They could crush me just by rolling over on me. And instead, you know, they lay down and ask for my belly rubs, let me listen to their heartbeat. And, and I've got a great story about a pig I'm going to tell before we go. But um, so these, these giants, um, cows too, these 2,000 pound, you know, powerful creatures. And all they want is for you to scratch them on the oh, chin. Oh, that's so cute the way you yeah. say it like that. that but is, it's, it's so true. And it's it just, is. Yeah. What, what, 
what it says about our world that we've taken these creatures that are social and gentle um, and have literally been bred to have these childlike characteristics. It's this process called neotenization. You can Google it. Neoteny. N-E-L-T-E-N-Y. Neoteny. But when you selectively breed animals for gentleness and friendliness and sociality, this strange thing happens where they develop childlike characteristics. Like big a eyes. domesticated dog, like big eyes, floppy ears, you know, uh, kind of a clumsy gait, Aww. you know, clumsy walk, big feet. Like puppies have big feet relative Clunky to their feet. bodies. Yeah. So, you know, uh, a dog is basically a baby wolf, an adult dog. Um, a domesticated pig, you know, uh, like a like a, a Yorkshire pig that we had, we found in Smithfield, uh, whether in Utah or in California. It's a baby pig, a very large baby pig, but a baby pig. Um, all these animals are just like baby animals, and they're gentle and they're friendly, and we torture them for it. And um, and but the beautiful thing is, if if we just change a slight thing in our society and in our minds and our hearts and we care for these babies instead of mutilating them and torturing them and slaughtering them then we can have the same joy that you felt you know right. a couple of days ago when you found birdie and it's the same joy we felt when we took maya when we yeah. took you know uh chester out and, and miley you yeah. know you remember miley oh, yes yeah but like with may i mean may like she was just collapsing around dejected on that factory farm floor and I don't even, I don't think we thought she had a good chance of survival. And certainly like when we took her to vets, were you there with me when we took her to the vets? Yeah. I don't think I was there with you. Yeah. So we took her to Berkeley dog and cat and there's yeah, an they, avian vet yeah, that said, you've got to kill her. I mean, we she's got the, no hope. I saw the video. Yeah. It's a, it's on truth matters where the guy was like, I don't think she's going to survive. Yeah. And like, I felt that same sort of sense of desperation because we had risked so much. This is literally the first animal we rescued. Aww. And you know, we had taken a huge chance. All the activists, like, Everyone in the animal rights movement at that point was afraid to fucking leaflet. Like, people were scared to leaflet Yep. <laughs> in the early 2010s. They were saying, I'm going to get charged on the ATA for doing any economic damage to the industry. Oh, my people gosh. People were crippled by their fear. That's so you know? wild. And, and we decided, no, we, we're not going to be afraid. We're going to be brave. We're going to walk right into that place. And if we see an animal that needs help, we're going to do the right thing. And we did. No matter what the consequences are. And we did. But in those first few days when we rescued May... It's, it's actually very similar to the story of Lily. I thought we had made a terrible mistake because I thought we had risked so much and she's just going to die, you know? Because um, we took all these vets and they kept saying, you just have to kill her. You know, there's nothing left to do. She can't even, because she couldn't even walk. Um, but you know the moment where I realized, like, it's my birdie moment? What? Do you know what it was? No. Yeah, it was when she stood up for the first time. Oh, that's right. Do you remember that? Did I, I tell you? Were you there? I think I was there with you. Yeah. Yeah. So when she stood up for the first time, because this is a bird that had been just collapsed on the ground like in feces. It's like a no animal wants to be lying in their own feces. She was barely able to lift her head for the first few days. Like she was like trying to get water and would like lift her head up and oh. it would fall back on the ground. You know, just like, and there's video footage of this. If you go to Truth Matters, it's a video called Truth Matters, an 18 minute documentary that we made. You can watch like her going bonk, bonk, bonk and like trying to drink water. And we had added all these like supplements to the water. So it's like, highly nutritious yeah. water and she's just trying to get a little bit of water but mm. she couldn't so we had to hand feed her everything like everything was just being put into her mouth by my hand um and when just i think it was just like two or three days later maybe a few more days than maybe it wasn't three days maybe it was like four days but it was a few days later the first time she stood up yeah and you could see she was so proud of herself Aww. 
Like when she stood so up cute. and I'm like going, oh my God, yeah, I May, I remember look this. at you. And she stands up and you can tell she's like, uh, uh. like, like she's like an Olympic weightlifter, like trying her hardest. Aww. She just wants to May stand up was again. so sweet. Yeah. And, and just like Birdie, just like Oliver, just like Lily, there's a lifetime bond that comes because every time I went back to that sanctuary, May would always follow me around. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the, we were talking about this yesterday, but this is one of the big regrets I have and one of the big mistakes I think DXC has made. It's just, we don't spend enough time with the animals. Got to spend more time with the animals. Yeah, we've, it's, you know, Timothy Potrot, you remember him? Yes, I do. He wrote this book um, called Every 12, 12 Seconds, Seconds about how in slaughterhouses, and, and actually, this is probably the slowest slaughterhouse. In the slowest slaughterhouses, mm-hmm. cattle slaughterhouses, every 12 seconds that animals going by you on the slaughter line, and you need to smash them in the skull and then slit their throat. Like imagine that amount of violence and murder, you know, uh-huh. every 12 seconds. But he writes about how the politics of sight, this is a term he I invented, I want to read, read that book. That's yeah. a great And the idea book. behind this is a lot of people, including most famously Paul McCartney, think that if everybody, if, if slaughterhouses had glass walls, everyone just saw what was happening to these animals, they'd all turn vegetarian. And that's wrong. That's wrong. Because... It's seeing is not enough. There are a lot of people who see this, and um, it further objectifies animals. As sometimes we it does. It inoculates the cruelty. You just if people keep telling you, cruelty "Don't be porn. such a baby. Stop crying about the animals being slaughtered. This is just food. This is what we have to eat." Blah blah blah. You know, people will do that. I mean, this is what Hannah Arendt called the banality of evil. Right? When evil has been normalized, sadly, human beings will just accept it. You know. What we need is not just a politics of sight. We need a politics of relation. And connection. Where we are actually understanding and feeling what the animals feel. It's not yeah. enough to see them. And I think we we're able to, to feel that. Relation because we because had we have a relationship relationships. with Oliver. And we had a relationship with May too. Yeah. Like May was my friend. I don't care how many people make fun of me for saying that. I had a chicken as a friend. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of it. She yeah. was, and she was my friend. She and, was. And, and she loved and you. And I was her friend too. Like she knew me. Yeah. She 100% knew oh, me. Oh, definitely. And followed me around and loved me and knew that's the guy <laughs> who saved me from certain death. You know, I still that's think the that guy. I still think that like every time Oliver sees you, I think he thinks he, that. I I I, and I, I feel it. I feel it. Yes. So, this has been a point of contention in Julian's household actually. What? You know oh, tell me. So, Pow has been living with her husband Mike for 3 years now. You know, and Mike is the one who walks him and feeds him and loves him. And I see Pal once every few months, maybe. Pal's another <laughs> one of the dogs. Up. And he still loves me more than Mike. Yeah, he Isn't does. That, that's kind of fucked up, honestly. It's kind of fucked up, but he also, Pal understands that I and Julian and Cristobal were the ones oh, who carried him Oh, he 100% him out of that knows and that. And he knows. And I think, I think this about Oliver, too. He knows that this is a guy who risked everything to save me. Oh, I, he will fight with his life. Oh, I know me. Oliver knows that. Oliver, knows Oliver that. is extremely intelligent. He yeah. can assess like... He knows like, how much I'll fight for Like him. he can assess who he's safest with for yeah. sure. Yeah, he knows. I mean, I, I like to think I would risk anything for him. I, Oliver and, and the animals in my home, I, you know, we believe in nonviolence. It's one of our principles. Oliver is one of the few creatures in this world who I when I think about it and I think about someone hurting him, mm-hmm. I think, you know what? If you did that to my little boy, I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming for you. you know, like, I'm coming for you. Like, yep. And I know that's not the best sentiment. And I don't know if I'd actually well, do it. I, I felt that way the towards the guy. I have, yeah, I get yeah, it. The feeling I have is like, I feel the same way about my dog. I will fuck you up. Yeah. You know, you do not touch my dog. Oliver, is that right? Oliver? Oliver? 
Oh, buddy. He just looked up at me. Aww. He just looked Albert, up at me and Albert, said, yeah, Albert. I love you. So, and that's why, you know, going into this trial, just, it doesn't feel that hard because, you know, Spitfield is fucking with our babies. Yeah. They're fucking with living creatures like Lily. Yeah. You know, Lily, I don't know Lily as well as I know Oliver, but I spent. Oh, I want to hug Lily. Lily. I've never met her. You got you to gotta come with me. And come okay, visit let's her. go do it. So how about this? If, if I'm not in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of the year, let's go, let's go visit some pigs. Okay, let's do okay. it. I know you've but, been asking me to go to. Yeah. Um, well, you don't have to say where. Well, you've been because we're not to, we're not saying no, where. No, no, I know, I know. I'm exactly, just saying you've been asking me to go to a sanctuary, and I haven't sure. gone. And I feel bad. Yeah, no, there's something transformative, and and Lily and Lizzie, I think, still recognize me. Daisy still recognizes me. Yes, she does. Um, Daisy at, at Happy Hen, she still does the thing where she nibbles on my nose. She comes up to me. She's her head is massively larger than mine, and so she could rip my face off if she wanted to with her big teeth. But instead, she just so gently nibbles on my nose yeah, let's and go there. says, just, just like she did when she was a baby, when she was 10 pounds and, you know, sick and barely able to, to make it out of that farm alive. She still nibbles on my nose and knows you're the one who chose to protect me yeah. instead of hurting me. You were, you were the first human I met, one of the yeah. first humans I met. You were there that day, too. Yep. So I just have to think about Daisy and Oliver and Lily. And no matter what happens in trial, I've already won. Yeah. Because they're alive and safe. That's true. You already won. So you what's have. there to be anxious about? There's nothing to be anxious about. Yeah, there. Yeah, they're, honestly, in the in the big scheme of things, there isn't much to be anxious about. Yeah. Well, you know, you, while you're sitting in prison, you can just shift, just well, shift your reality. Shift. I just have to dream of Lily and Oliver. Yeah. And you should send me photos. I will. I. I that, don't worry. I will. I will. Yeah. Good. Send me photos of Oliver. I will Oliver. send you lots of photos. I don't think I can get videos, unfortunately, but uh, photos of Oliver and. I'll send you so many photos that it looks like a video. Cool. <laughs> I have 600 photos I could just flip through like a flip book. Yeah, and be like, okay, Wayne, just flip Let's through it, it and it'll be like a little video. <laughs> yeah, no, we got we got lots of good plans. Even if I'm incarcerated a week from you're today. You're going to be busy. You know what's funny? Like, Wayne, you're going to be, gonna be and, and honestly, I was thinking about it. That makes it, because a lot of times people think about prison and they think about, oh my God, I'm just going to be sitting here like, you know, with this, just suffering through this sentence. But you are, like, you literally have a lot of action items. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of action items. So like, and I mean, I'm so glad you're not like me because I'm very influenced by my um, physical environment. environment. Yeah, if I was stuck in a 10 by 10 cell, I think I would probably be pretty depressed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not affected by my environment at all. Like, like to you, it's, I'm lucky in that Like, it, it doesn't bother you that you're going to be locked in a room. Yeah. I can't even comprehend that. Dude, I, I lived in a closet for what two years but that to was me smaller that's than a prison so cell. different because <laughs> you that can was a open it leave. whenever you want I to. It. I could open the door. But it was smaller. It was like a coffin. Yeah, my to bedroom. feel trapped to me yeah. is, I can't. Honestly, those are some of the best years of my life when so, I was living in that closet. I, I, I like that I closet. I still and, think and about to it. the record, Priya was one of the people along with Alex and Turd. You remember Alex came yeah. out and, and made me a, a nice little bed because yeah. he constructed this thing where I could lay down in the closet. And yeah, he did work. do that. Alex is an amazing I dude. love so Alex many good people. But you were the one who encouraged him to do it. I wasn't going to do it. I think you asked him to, to fix up my closet. Yeah, yeah, because I was like, how yeah, are you like, going to sleep in yeah. there? And then we, I put a foam mattress pad in Because the closet there. basically had a, a shelf on it where you could not, you'd have to like lay down on the shelf and your feet would be hanging off the shelf. I also and I was like, I'll just curl up in the closet and pull my feet up. And you're like, no. And you called Alex over to build a little... I think I did like do a, that. An extension and then you could to the put shelf. Your stuff underneath, and then we put yeah. fairy lights. No, you were the that one who did closet it. was no. awesome. It was all right for a closet <laughs> for three hundred dollars a month or whatever I was paying. It was it was a pretty good deal. I honestly that I missed that activist house. That we had good. some really good times there. Yeah. It was a fun house. All right. Well, it's just about two hours, and and I got family coming over in nine minutes. Uh, I got to show you and Daisy how to give fluids to Joan because Joan's quite sick. Um, but do you have any final thoughts? 
before I'm leaving for Utah tomorrow. This podcast is going to come out on the second day of trial. So we'll have people listening to this. You can go to righttorescue.com or go to my blog, The Simple Heart, and get some updates on what's going on on trial. You can also go to my Facebook page. I'll be yeah. live streaming probably every day from trial. Do I have any thoughts? I. What wisdom do you have to offer me as I go to Utah tomorrow? <laughs> Um, just, you know, do that reality shifting reality <laughs> into the, shifting. into the, the, the universe you want to be in. Just flip through the multiverse. <laughs> Watch me just send you all these like books on quantum physics. Right. And you, yeah. Priya, what are you doing? <laughs> no, I, I, I think you already have all the wisdom you need, Wayne, all because right. I mean, I mean, you're my hero. You are my mentor and you've Thank taught you. me and I mean, you, you've helped me become more brave and courageous. Yeah. So... Well, you know, you, what girl? wisdom can I teach you? <laughs> can I teach you? Yeah. Good teachers always learn from their students. That's so. true. Good right one. Right back at you. You've, you've taught me and made me brave, brave too. And you're the only reason I'm able to do this because if I didn't know that Oliver is going to be and Joan are going to be the happiest little creatures that they could possibly be, even if I'm gone, you know, I wouldn't be willing to do this. But yeah. I know they will be because they're going to be in great hands. Yeah. So, and tonight is my last night with them. Yeah. Possibly for a while. So. Possibly, lots of hugs and we kisses. all know Wayne's coming back. <laughs> I'm coming back eventually, but yeah. if I get a sentence, Joan's probably going to pass <sighs> before I see him again. Yeah. And if it's a long enough sentence, Oliver could pass before I see him again. So, but as long as he's happy, that's the most important thing, right? Yeah. So that's all we can hope for. And that's all we can hope for in our lives. Do things that make the people you love happier and give yeah. them more fulfilling lives and you'll be happy too. Absolutely. And that's how I'm happy even in the face of this trial. So, all right. Well, thanks so much, Elon. You're Back welcome. To Elon. No. <laughs> Again, only rich in the things that matter most, which is love and care. That's right. And meaning in life. So we should all be Elon like that. Yeah. So you're Elon. If you're listening to this, if your life is filled with love and compassion and care, you're rich too where it matters. That's true. That's so true. All right. Thanks, everybody. This is a really emotional conversation, and it's, it's hard for me not to think about, especially my family, both my human family, my my sister and my dad, who's, who's a little bit ill. Um, and depending on how long I'm sentenced, if I am sentenced, I might not see or hear from him again. But especially my dog Oliver and my little kitty Joan, who is even more ill than my father. It's always hard to think about those things that I might lose um, and that people I care about might lose, depending on what unfolds this week. But the flip side of that is, I know this is why I got to do what I got to do. Um, I made a Facebook post a few days ago um, saying that I love them so much and that's why I need to leave them. And it's true because I know that every conscious being in a Smithfield factory farm and a laboratory and a fur farm is the same unique, brilliant, beautiful individual as, as my dog or my cat or even my best friend, Priya. And just as I'd fight for them and risk a lot for them, uh, I'm willing to fight and risk a lot for, for those animals too. So no matter what happens this week, uh, I think what we talked about in this podcast is true. If we harness the power of compassion, if we show people that at root, what this movement is about, what this trial is about, is love, then we will prevail. And if I am incarcerated... Um, this podcast will continue. I'm going to be sending letters to Priya from prison. She'll be reading them to all of you, commenting on them. There'll be a team of folks, including Dean and Ronnie, who will probably join her 
have some fun conversations, maybe joke about all the shenanigans I'm up to. <laughs> but I will say this, uh, as much fun as it'll be, I'm sure for Ronnie and Dean and Priya and for you too, uh, I'm going to miss you. And whether that's one week from now or 10 years from now, I just want to say I'm really grateful for all your support and for listening in over the last couple of years. Thanks so much. And I will see you soon.